listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Podcasting to you from the landlocked town of Edmond, Oklahoma, where I have had a much better day than I guess the news has had. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting to you from Piedmont, Oklahoma, where I'm drinking some copper in my coffee. I'm Andrew Hoffman. Oh, copper in your coffee. You get some uh, some of those delicious liver chips there, too. You got the liver chips. I got them here. I haven't eaten any of the liver chips in a little while. The blood chips. Uh, it tastes like get... blood. The bloody chips. <laughs> so, that's your opinion. So, <laughs> the, the package says... Tastes terrible. Uh, gives you COVID. It <laughs> says, and now it tastes good. Oh, so there you go. Well, so th- the package says it tastes good. So how could it possibly taste? So bad? they were aware of a previous issue. Yeah. So <laughs> they were aware of a previous issue. Not well, so just the with the liver. Yeah. yeah it says beef liver gives you the cleanest protein in the world, all while exceeding the recommended daily allowance of vitamins that support peak physical health. And now it tastes good with copper. So uh, there's a lot there's uh supposedly there is a lot of copper in there also a lot of zinc vitamin B6 which may or may not be bad depending on who you ask sure iron so yeah it's a mixed bag but uh yeah it was a big news day we were just we, ta- came- we were talking off offline about the news and I yeah. I told you oh, this is what I did all day, and it was a lot of stuff for the business and kind of working from home type of deal. And then actually took the kids, the wife, we went on a walk, we grabbed some food, came back, read some stories. The whole time I'm like blasting podcasts in my ear trying to figure out which information where is like the most important to kind of come to the show with. And I stayed stayed away from my, my Twitter addiction. My Yeah. My, it's my, good. my Twitter social media, which was good, except that some things happened today. 
Yeah, there's some uh, some pipelines blowing up. So let's talk about let's do play the uh, Luke Rudkowski clip. He oh. kind of gives a rundown of it that'll catch you up to speed. Perfect. That's fourth one from the bottom there. All right. Now, moving forward with our story this morning, we also got very troubling developments off the coast of Denmark, where, of course, the Nord Stream pipeline was just sabotaged, according to many official sources. As many people are saying that this was a deliberate sabotage of a major pipeline that provided Europe very crucial important gas that it is extremely dependent on since of course Europe decided to shoot itself in the foot and implement policies that of course destroyed domestic energy exploration and production they wanted to be dependent on Russia for some reason in order to help the the, the weather again none of this absolutely makes sense when you look at the official policies that they have brought forward especially when it comes to getting rid of their nuclear power plants but what happened today signals very troubling times ahead for Europe that will be absolutely significant for the people living there. According to a Swedish national seismology center, they have measured what they're describing as a, quote, powerful subsea blast in areas where the Nord Stream gas pipeline from Russia to Europe off the coast of Denmark has specifically busted open. This as the Danish prime minister came out and just said moments ago that it's, quote, hard to imagine that the leaks detected on Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines were, quote, accidental, as, of course, both pipelines were affected. We were talking about the previous pipeline in yesterday's video and its larger implications and problems that it's going to bring to Europe. Now, a second one, even Denmark doesn't believe that this was an accident. And, of course, now we have the finger pointing as Ukraine is trying to blame Russia for this deliberate sabotage of Russian gas to Europe, which Europe was financing the Russian government with and also the Russian war effort with. Of course, the Russians are blaming Western governments for what is deemed a deliberate sabotage. And we have to understand, during previous global conflicts, undersea cables have been cut as a deliberate sabotage against opposing forces. This was specifically done in World War I, where undersea cables between Europe and the United States were cut. Is this somewhat of a deliberate sabotage? Well... Who really knows? The Polish prime minister said, quote, that we faced an act of sabotage. And is it Russia behind this sabotage or is it the West? Which, of course, everyone is asking themselves as new video has been resurfaced of the president of the United States literally going on record promising that, quote, there no longer will be a Nord Stream 2 and that, quote, we will bring an end to it. Listen to this exchange right now. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany... If uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. But but how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control, we will. Uh, I promise you we'll be able to do it. Yeah. Now, whoever is responsible, whatever you may think is really behind all of this, we still have to understand the consequences from this will be very vast. As, of course, natural gas prices in Europe have soared dramatically. And with the rising price of energy, you will see the rising price of everything else in our society. As of All right. So... 
there's that clip from Biden, which I did. I had already had that clipped out separately. That's from like pre-Ukraine war. Right. Where he says like, oh, no, they, they invade Ukraine. There's be no Nord Stream 2. So uh, that's it. This idiot says the plan out loud a lot of times. <laughs> it's, well, it's almost it's almost too easy though then to be like, oh yeah, well we blew it up. Uh, but definitely a possibility. And then let's uh, let's hear the Victoria Kagan Noodleman clip on Nord Stream. Well, this is, this is a, obviously some of our listeners are no agenda listeners but not all of them are so if you say victoria kagan noodleman you are of course talking about the one and only vicky newland the oh F- yeah newland's her real name that's right yeah so her the her f-e-e-u her maiden name is noodleman her no her maiden name is kagan no her she married a kagan oh noodleman was her maiden name it's no, no- Noodleman was her real original name. No, Newland. Noodleman is a is a is an Adam Curry saying. It's Newland. N U L A N D. It's possible. <laughs> I like I like Noodleman. I know, <laughs> but uh, very possible. But she married the Kagan. I know that. Yeah. So okay. Um, so and she's the one who talked about giving cookies out to uh, pre color revolution. She goes way back, and, and then she ins- she installs the. I think we she, have the clip somewhere in our archives here, where she installs the president. Let's you know. Yeah, of, of Ukraine. So she's been involved in Ukraine, you know, way before this administration. Right. But uh, this is what she said about Nord Stream. With regard to Nord Stream Two, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations. Uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Seems pretty clear. Seems like we know we know who was telling Joe Biden what was going on. So, the thing blows, and they're, they're not even really trying to say that it was an accident there is some like well russia did it stuff which i guess you could say well it'll drive up the price of gas uh, maybe russia would do it but you know it's easier than turning it off maybe you just blow the thing up but uh yeah it seems someone blew it up i think that's that's basically agreed upon at this point um i have a article from a covid blog or covid substack you you Gippius, a plague chronicle talking about this i'll read a little bit of it real quick apparent sabotage disables nord stream one and two cutting off all direct gas supply to germany from russia anonymous german officials appear to acknowledge a strong possibility of american or nato involvement Yesterday evening, pressure in the undersea Nord Stream 2 pipeline suddenly collapsed and gas could be seen bubbling to the surface of the Baltic Sea near the Danish island of Bornholm. You can see that picture in there if you haven't yet, Tim. Uh, Shortly afterwards, reports came of a total collapse in the pressure of uh, our other major undersea pipeline connection to Russia, Nord Stream 1, indicating a further rupture. 
Government officials assume that the damage is intentional and the result of an attack by foreign forces. Due, the, due to the timing, the fact that three separate pipelines were affected and the severe pressure losses in Nord Stream 1, officials expect the worst. We can no longer imagine any scenario other than a targeted attack, said a person privy to the assessment by federal government and federal authorities. They added, everything speaks against a coincidence. Such an attack on the seabed would be anything but trivial. It would have to be carried out with special forces, for example, by Navy divers or a submarine, people informed of initial assessments said. With regard to responsibility for the alleged attacks, two possibilities are being discussed. First, according to initial speculation, Ukrainian or Ukrainian-affiliated forces could be responsible. With the temporary shutdown of the Nord Stream pipelines, gas deliveries from Russia to Germany and Central Europe would only be possible via the Yamal pipeline running through Poland or the Ukrainian pipeline network. The piece that I've bolded is, of course, uh, so that comes, he's quoting the um, German story there. Danish story? Maybe. Anyway. So, they, you know, go on, oh, the Ukrainians are blaming Russia. Wait. Russia's blaming Ukrainians and NATO. That sounded suspicious from the beginning. It's like, Russia blew up their own gas that they were selling <laughs> to Europe. So that's the that's the Ukrainian story, which is now, dumb. He, here's what's even here's what's even more dumb. Okay, so the, they just opened up a different pipeline, the Norway to EU pipeline that's right next to it. Uh Well, which which pipeline's that? The Baltic gas pipeline goes from Norway to Poland, and it's fine. From and it just opened today. Weird. Yes. How does the Russian gas does the is that Russian gas or is that? I'm not sure. I'll look into it. Okay. I'm trying to figure this out on the fly. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Let me find. All right. Oh, come on. Oh, I wonder if I get... Yeah, maybe it's in this thread. So there was a official government bureaucrat. Uh, let's see. I believe... Oh, i got to find it because I'm not... Okay. From Radek Sikorsky, MEP, Chairman, EU, USA Delegation. uh, And he, let's see, what country is he from? I believe Poland. So he tweets out a picture of the, you know, the disturbance in the water where the natural gas is spilling out from the pipeline. Right. And it says, thank you, USA. And then is his reply to his own tweet. By the way, there's no shortage of pipeline capacity for taking gas from Russia to Western Europe, including Germany. Nord Stream's only logic was for Putin to be able to blackmail or wage war in Eastern Europe with impunity. Well, what he doesn't point out in that second tweet is what was in that story we just read that the only route now goes through Poland. Right. So guess, guess who becomes 
much more important now. So that it just, I guess, hypothetically, yes, you could still get Russian gas into Europe, but it's now you got to negotiate with, with more parties and more people have leverage. So this, I don't see how this is good for uh, the people of Europe. No. Who need the natural gas. Definitely bad for them. It's not that great for Russia. Like, it's going to be tougher for them to get. So the Russia did it to themselves to drive up the price of gas thesis, you know, doesn't make a, a ton of sense to me. Uh, it, it only benefits both the kind of, you know, U.S. empire agenda and the let's break everything down and starve everyone agenda. As far as I see it, you know, it's, it's, it's bad for everyone except those in the, the big club that we ain't in. Yeah. I think we're in a, we're in a crazy, crazy struggle session worldwide. The economic takedown of everybody. (laughs) So where it's not even hidden, it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm no, I'm no diplomat, but, uh, isn't it kind of a, I don't know, a little borderline act of war to be blowing up pipelines? I mean... Wouldn't wouldn't we call that a terrorist activity if it was done to us? Yeah, 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 I think so. I think it, we, we wouldn't take too kindly to some other country sending a bunch of uh, munitions, or not a bunch, $8 billion worth <laughs> of uh, uh, weaponry to Mexico either, and but, you know... I, you know, all coming from the same power structure that says climate change and global warming's worst thing. We could just we can just spew gas into the ocean. That's no big deal. We don't have to worry about the economic impact of that. No, the political impact of it is it outweighs it. <laughs> the ends justify the means, Andrew. Yeah, if we could starve some of the right people, then you know, any collateral damage, no big deal. Yeah, one hundred. So that was a a big story. The other big story is the uh, hurricane bearing down on Florida. Oh, you got it, didn't you? Where so, is it? I'm looking for it now. Oh, uh, which I didn't know. I don't have a clip. Was there oh, a clip? I was going to say no. Uh, Joe Biden says the best way. Oh yeah, the is Floridians to get vaccinated <laughs> can prepare uh, for yeah. the uh, hurricane coming. Get is- vaccinated. Get vaccinated. No. Yeah. So the, you know, DeSantis is, he's in full on, you know, declaring state of emergency for the entire state, activating National Guard. And meanwhile, I'm just thinking back to the documentary Frankenskies, and it's like, well, why don't we just, why don't we just turn that hurricane out into the ocean? Yep. Because we can, mm-hmm. we could, we could do that. Very possible. We could do that over sixty years ago. I'm gonna shoot and this. I'm gonna shoot this off the cuff, but I believe I learned about this recently. Right around September 11th, 2001, wasn't there like a hurricane? I think right around September 11th, right before the attacks, they bounce a hurricane out. Like it's coming in and it just magically bounces out to the middle of the Atlantic. And sometimes they do that. But there was a lot of speculation from the person presenting this evidence was the 
military didn't want it to mess up their operations, so they, yeah. they bounced the old. <laughs> hey, we got we got other stuff going we stuff on. Going we can't on. have it. We can't. Uh, and of course, it's we'll, just we'll, clear we'll skies. Hold, we'll hold off on the hurricane until uh, what was the what was the big hurricane under Bush? Uh, Katrina. Katrina. Yeah. Or you're doing a heck of a job, Brownie. Who's DHS guy with the cancer-causing yeah. mobile homes and all the rest weird, of it. Yeah, Hurricane Andrew... Her, her, excuse me. Hurricane Aaron. E-R-I-N. Longest-lived hurricane in the 2001 uh, Sixth Tropical Depression Fifth Storm. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, this was the latest date of the hurricane since Hurricane Diana of September 10th. It was headed... Impact preparations... Around 24 hours before Aaron made its closest approach, the watch was upgraded to hurricane warning. Initial forecast indicated Aaron would pass within 50 mi- 15 miles of the island. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, anyway, it, I guess, really hit Bermuda hard, but it didn't hit the, it didn't hit the U.S. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's, that's England's territory out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is... Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's it's also interesting because there haven't been a lot of hurricanes, and we were supposed to be having a ton of hurricanes because global warming and you know more and more hurricanes every year, and then that hasn't happened. But uh, yeah, if you're in if you're in Florida, I d- I don't think they're pushing this thing out to sea. They're going to punish DeSantis for you know for this is the this is the retaliation for sending that those charter flights to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> Here's a hurricane right up your state. Shortly after reaching How do you peak? like these 160 mile an hour winds? <laughs> Shortly after reaching, reaching peak intensity, Aaron passed 105 miles east-northeast of Bermuda on its cl- closest land approach. The hurricane maintained peak strength for 18 hours before slowly weakening. That's weird. So it comes nowhere near any of the coasts, but maintains peak strength for 18 straight hours. Well, they maintain strength until they go over the land. Oh, that's a good point. Multiple shortwave troughs weaken the western portion of the subtropical ridge and and on uh, September 11th. Aaron decelerated as it turned to the east and a strengthened mid to upper level trough through Canada, blah, blah, blah. Okay, anyway, my point is that that was just off memory and there was something there. I forgot about that. And it could have just been bouncing around. I'm not saying it absolutely was, but it's an interesting coincidence. Yeah, yeah. So that was, and that may actually be a coincidence. You don't. That may not be anything. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, paying it. That's one thing you learn from no agenda. You pay attention to the pipelines. There's okay. usually something going on, but now it's just blatant. It's just like, yeah, we're blowing them up. You know, usually it's like, oh, there's a terrorist group. That uh, they damaged the pipeline, you know, yep. stuff like that. But it was like the clip that we played last week. That was like that Infowars mashup. But Jones basically says the the people in the South want to boil, you know, crawdads and frogs and things like this. And they learned that if you put a frog in boiling water, it jumps out. But if you slowly turn it up, we are in the middle of the global, you know, turning up of the temperature. And it right, we really are. It seems like they're really trying to boil frogs here. Like, we're slowly just turning it up. Yeah, it's like, well, we don't have to hide it anymore. We just keep switching stories. Day gaslighting. To day. I mean, they're also so, gaslighting. They're like, so it's like, well, you know, we're going to keep on poisoning 
you with the vaccines, but we're going to not talk about it every day. We're not going to talk about COVID every day now. It'll just be like when we need to fill in or, you know, put in a new, uh, pa- you know, vaccine passport or what have you. We'll, we'll bring it back then, but, you know, it'll be hurricane, pipeline explosion, uh, you know, crazy fascist elected in Italy. You know. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of been She's the, really, really fascist. <laughs> Super scary. Yeah. Have you seen the idiot's guide to a political discussion? No, a child emotional child's guide to political discussion. I think I see that every day. Yeah, it's well basically the <laughs> it's just one page. It says everyone I don't agree with is a fascist. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so the um the other big news story, Tim, was Dart. Dart. Yes. NASA Oh god. Crashing. Oh, no. They've been sending a spacecraft to an asteroid that oh. wasn't coming anywhere near us, but we got to crash into it anyway, just to just to prove that we can. Totally not uh, recreating any movie plot lines or anything like that. Totally not. <laughs> uh, totally nothing better could have been done with the three hundred twenty-five million dollars. Yeah. Uh, so I, I watched the live stream. They had a live stream. And did a mouse run out onto the? It was. Uh, it looked like basically eight still frames of someone's driveway, like one after another, boom, <laughs> but like a second apart, like, <laughs> and that was the impact. And then the the screen just goes orange, and they're like, "Yeah, it hit! Oh yay! Pretty cheer! Yay!" So there's other people are also, shall we say, skeptical. So let's play the the Hugo talks asteroid. And have you ever heard of a BBC kids show called the Clangers? No, I I can't say I have. I I had not either. Um, but he, you know, he's not from England. But I guess maybe they get more BBC stuff in Australia. John the, from Swallowfield, Berkshire, UK, probably. Yeah. Is laughing at us right now. As yeah, so so the clangers, and I'll kind of describe it since, you know, you'll hear the audio, but it, it won't make a lot of sense. Uh, their little planet, and you'll hear the intro to the show and saying, oh, there's a clanger, these little, th- you know, animated things popping up of like sewer hatches in this little uh, star is what they say in the show, but... It looks a lot like the asteroid that they were flying towards in the the NASA live stream, which, uh, you know, Hugo has some some questions. I have some other questions after after his little rant here. Hello, you're listening to Hugo Talks and Disney, NASA are back in the fake stream media and are claiming to have done something which sounds like they've stolen the plot from that crappy Bruce Willis Hollywood movie Armageddon where they blew up an asteroid. Also, echoes of the Netflix movie released on Christmas Day last year starring Leonardo DiCaprio called Don't Look Up. Predictive programming again? 
And now we have NASA, it says here, this is what they are claiming. They crashed a spacecraft traveling at 15,000 miles per hour intentionally into an asteroid. This happened 6.8 million miles away, they say, and it cost, and it cost the taxpayers, 325 million. Money, 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 must be funny. And uh, yeah, the asteroid, it wasn't hurtling towards the Earth. They did this just as an experiment to test it out. And lots of people online are looking at the footage and saying, it looks fake. But many are replying and saying, well, you know, it, it looks so fake, it must be real. Yeah, that old Elon Musk chestnut. What were your, what was going through your mind? How, how amazed were you to see your roadster up there with Starman uh, just cruising along with the Blue Planet? And how long will we be getting live views, do you think, from the car? Well, I think it looks so ridiculous and impossible. That's how you know it's um, And you can tell it's real because it looks so fake, honestly. <laughs> now, this cost $325 million. Now, all I would say to you is, if you bought an artwork, a painting, for $325 million from a famous artist, you would really want to know if it was real and not fake, wouldn't you? before you spent all of that money. So what would you do? You would really check its provenance and be convinced it was genuine before you shelled out your money. So anyway, here, here is the scene of the impact oh, wow. from NASA's yeah. studio, okay? Oh, of the spacecraft yeah. hurtling oh, towards... Wow. Oh, hold on, what, what is that? Is that a potato? Is it a, a truffle? A black and white Ferrero Rochero. A close-up of a Scotch egg pulled out from the back of the sofa from last year's New Year's Eve party. Hold on. What's, what's that behind? What can I see there? Who are these little fellas? Who are these little pink people? I haven't seen them for years. Ah, yes. I remember it's the Clangers. NASA have discovered the Clangers. They are real after all, everyone. That wasn't a BBC children's show. That was a real documentary. The myriad stars of the firmament. Perhaps this star, too, is home for somebody. Can we imagine the sort of people that might live on a star like this? Let us go very... Let us look and listen very carefully. And perhaps we shall see... And here. That is a clangor. And that is another clangor. They seem to have a piece of rope. So yeah, you've got that biblical line about a strong delusion being sent at the end of time to fool people. Some people think it may be Project Bluebeam. Signs of great wonder made to appear in the sky. Some think it might be a, a fake alien invasion, a fake second coming of Christ. But it may, it may already be here in the form of the fake stream media itself and all of those black mirrors and devices that put these stories and images out into the public's consciousness. If there is any strong delusion forthcoming anyway, then for those who didn't see it, then they would have to hear about it through the fake stream media anyway.
kind of like that point at the end. Yeah, yeah. he's an interesting character. He really, really laying it on thick that we're being lied to. <laughs> yes. So, well, and for, you know, for the NASA fans out there and the the space believers, I would encourage you, just go watch the the footage that NASA put out and ask yourself if that looks like an asteroid millions of miles away or possibly Bob's driveway. <laughs> well, so. all right. Let's, I'll go. I'll take a look at and, it. You know, it, I don't trust people who who clap all the time. Like the yeah. NASA people, like they're clapping constantly. It's like, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer and that infamous Microsoft employee hype video <laughs> they did. You know, where they're <laughs> dancing around and clapping and yeah, you know, it's yeah. Developers, developers, developers. I, I don't trust the I don't trust the clappers. No, put it that way. Yeah. All right. So, the, plus the one thing you'll notice on the the NASA live stream, right? It's it's totally woke. Mm. It's like, oh, we gotta have you cannot be on camera unless you're like you know actually a science person. But if you're if you're just a talking head, like kind of news reader style, you're gonna be multi culty. Hmm. So it's the the new NASA, kind of like the new CIA there. But anyway, that was interesting. I don't know if we'll see all that old stuff. He's probably seen the clangers, but if not, we'll check out the uh, the similarity of the uh, Demorpheus asteroid or whatever they called it, and the old clanger star. So. This uh the I've got one more quick one and okay. then we can move on to, to your stuff. I've I've got a you know takedown of all vaccines for later, but for now have we talked about Bill Walton on the <laughs> podcast before? Uh I feel like we have. Th- we have to have, but I think many of our conversations about Bill Walton would probably be via text message or, or, or just personal talks, not on the show. But, uh, you know, just so like our, our, our friend uh, John has referred to earlier from Swallowfield Berkshire UK donor <laughs> that uh, donates 10 bucks a month. He knew about the Clangers, doesn't know about Bill Walton. So let the, yeah. let the audience know. Yeah. So so Bill Walton was a an incredible basketball player for UCLA like one of the most dominant college basketball players ever, uh, playing for John Wooden, probably the most famous probably college coach the ever. best coach ever, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who also uh, coached Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, multiple national championships. He Very strong to, Christian and amazing person. Not John Bill Wooden. Walton, yeah. John Wooden. John Wooden, yeah. yeah. Uh, so goes to the Portland Trailblazers, which were a relatively new franchise, and they win the title in 1977. So there's, and he was the main player on that. He's like a a total hippie. I mean, you see pictures of him. He total, smokes a lot of weed. 
<laughs> now so, he, now he does that. He probably did then too. But oh yeah, basketball players are notorious. And I think he's right there with them. He's a smelly, dirty hippie, but he ripping his jersey off and chucking it after they win, and he's kind of legendary in in Portland for that. Even though he he got hurt the next year and then ended up playing for other teams and what have you. But uh, oh, hold on, because me, of look, go ahead. Well, so he. You can't a, leave out the last like five or ten years of commentary that he's done. So, well, I was I was getting there. I'm okay. not leaving it out. Right. So, most people have heard Bill Walton as a commentator uh, on college basketball games for ESPN and Pac-12 Network, and he he's you know you either love him or hate him. I always kind of <laughs> enjoy him, but crazy like. You know, he says the Big 12 conference is the conference of truck stops, and, you know, the Pac 12 conference is the conference of champions. So he loves the West Coast. You know, he loves Eugene, Oregon, and he loves Seattle, and he loves just California. Oh, it's beautiful. Everything's wonderful. So he lives in. You got anything you want to throw in on that front? Uh, no, he, he just like just his, his people out there. I hated him until I really understood who he was. Like I was like, "Who is this guy talking?" Because he he comes in out of nowhere and into your your psyche, you know, jumps into this because <laughs> it's like there's this guy he's talking and it's supposed to be a commentator and you expect something from sports commentators and all of a sudden this he's just coming out of left field with just crazy stuff and then I realize he's a huge he, stoner and I'm like, yeah, he just <laughs> he, marches he to the beat of his own drum. He pretends to not know his co-commentator the other announcer the kind of the the straight man you know mm-hmm. the guy who's actually trying to talk about the basketball game he'll pretend not to know his name and 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 that he just you know is talking about this and that and nothing but he he'll go on like environmentalist rants and yeah. like accuse the other guy of liking coal and <laughs> you know talking so a big liberal big hippie big environmentalist tie-dye t-shirts the whole bit so put that into context this is bill walton san diego city council meeting and he is talking about the mayor todd gloria todd gloria governs by the changing winds of social media todd gloria in our conversations prefaces every explanation with this is not an excuse Then he goes on to make yet another excuse. Todd Gloria likes to excuse his failures by saying his San Diego Police Department is understaffed. What Todd does not point out is that since he took office, his oath to serve and protect and to provide us with a safe, secure, healthy, and clean environment to live, work, and play, that there are about 300 fewer officers on our San Diego Police Department today than when Todd Gloria took office. And that many of those officers have left because they can't or won't work for Todd Gloria. Why can't we fill these official and critical San Diego Police Department positions? People who want this honorable profession and career, they don't want to work. For Todd Gloria. Now, Todd Gloria and his self-proclaimed Todd Squad, they love to run around our once great city telling everyone what a great job he's doing. 
This is nonsensibly absurd. Are we to believe his hot air or our own eyes? Things are worse now than ever before, and our lives are being dictated by an out-of-control and unruly homeless population. Every time I go out on my bike, I'm threatened, chased, attacked, and assaulted by homeless people. Our mail and deliveries are stolen from our front door. We are not able to move freely through our neighborhood or Balboa Park. This is not what we bought into in our special compact with Todd Gloria. I have asked Todd Gloria what I can do to help. I got no response. I have asked Todd Gloria what he was going to do to rectify this horrific human tragedy and travesty. I got no response. I have asked Todd Gloria if he recommends to me as a 69-year-old disabled bike rider, should I carry tear gas, pepper spray, maybe a taser for my own protection? I got no response. I have asked Todd Gloria for a tax rebate, a tax credit, and a reduction on my future taxes because of his failures to deliver the security and safety that healthy and clean environments that we have every right to expect. I got no response. Todd Gloria, he has no problem whatsoever cleaning up and then selling or leasing or renting our public lands for his own benefit. But try asking Todd Gloria to provide us, the people who live here, and need our park, street, sidewalks, and bike paths for our everyday life and just want to go to the park, to ride our bikes to the beach, to walk in our neighborhoods, to feel safe and secure in our own homes and lives. He's got no time, heart, or stomach for that. Because to Todd Gloria, we don't count. We don't matter. And he doesn't care. And what do we get? We get Gloriaville. <laughs> so t Bill Walton going get off my lawn conservative guy is a twist of 2022 you know COVID-1984 that I did not, did not see coming I used to be really familiar with this whole area down there in San Diego in the yeah. when I was in the Navy station in, in Seattle or Everett or Bremerton the uh, air wing all of the planes that are on the aircraft carrier I was on and, and all the ones for the ready carrier on the West Coast are located in California. And s many of them and many of the different crews that run them are located in San Diego. So the planes will fly to San Diego. There's a huge military base there on Coronado, the Navy base. Mm -hmm. And then we'll pull in and then all the, all the planes will either fly on or the crews will get on while we're in, in port. Point of that long uh, kind of rabbit trail there is I used to go to San Diego for two, three days, yeah, ten times a year. So I used, I used to go a lot, and I kind of knew the area. And I'm just ta looking up while he was talking. Well, he wants to that ride. You're, we're yeah. kind of a Chargers fan. Oh, another thing is I'm a Chargers fan. That's right. <laughs> so uh, Balboa Park is where San Diego Zoo is. One of the most important zoos of all, or one of the most yep. famous zoos in the whole world. It's for also sure. where Balboa Hospital is. It's a Navy hospital. 
Uh, beautiful, beautiful area over towards Burlingame. But see, all that stuff is not too far from downtown. And, <laughs> I mean, it's just across some freeways from basically downtown San Diego, which used to be gorgeous. I mean, there's it, it like fit little trolleys that run around. And it's a very... It reminded me of a Seattle downtown in the old days. It was small, and you could just walk around everywhere. It's pretty good. But if there's a homeless problem there, like there is in Seattle, which I think there probably is, if not worse, I can't imagine how bad it's got over Balboa Park towards the zoo and then over towards Burlingame. If that's where he's trying to ride, he just wants to ride his bike. And he, he's, you know, can you imagine? You're six foot, whatever. What is he? Six ten. He's six <laughs> ten. How many times has he been picked on or scared in his whole life? This is the first. <laughs> t- this is like literally the first time ever. Yeah, he's scared, it's, and so he's mad. Yeah, he's he's mad. Ugh. And it sounds like he might be wanting to run for mayor. Which, uh, if he does, I think he'd probably crush it. Oh yeah, he'd win for sure. He would win. But uh, yeah, Bill Walton going. Going, uh, you know, law and order conservative. It's... I love San Diego, man. San Diego is <laughs> like my favorite. It's my favorite city in California by far. I love yep. San Diego, and it just and I it... have I have a lot of love for all the people who stayed there. I got a buddy who just moved from Seattle to San Diego, and he's like, dude, the area I live in, there's no mass, there's no nothing, and we are not standing for it. I guess it's one of the more conservative towns in uh, California, if that's a possibility. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, I mean, it's always, you can't beat the weather in San Diego. No, no. It's like uh, when I absolutely first, perfect. When I first visited San Diego and then I vi- and visited Los Angeles, then San Diego, I was like, oh, San Diego is what everyone thinks Los Angeles is. Right, yeah. <laughs> like the the prime golden Coastal, weather. Coastal, temperate. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Anyway. Well. But, uh, and, you know, I remember, because we, we would drive over. While I was in college, we'd drive over from Phoenix to San Diego. Sure. Um, just either to go to San Diego or go to concerts or whatever. And yeah, we had said, you know, if I was homeless, San Diego is where I would go. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, it's, uh, you're not the first person to think of that. Yeah. Like, well, even back then, and we're talking early 2000s, there were some homeless people there, but I, nothing like Portland, Seattle, or LA or. Sounds like San Diego now. But, yeah. 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 So, anyway. Well, what, what you got for us? Well, what I've been doing. Uh, so, I got a couple things. Listening to a lot of podcasts, just trying to, to soak stuff up. But one thing I got um, from Grand Theft World and a couple other podcasts I was listening to is the Alex Jones trial. So, we're going in on this Alex Jones trial. This is, this is crazy, uh, what's going on with him. I don't even want to try to explain it. I just got a series of clips that I will run you through. Uh, we'll do uh, a little entremont, a little something. We got uh, Greg Reese on the Jones trial. We'll play that. It's like four, It's not long. It's only like four minutes. Uh, but then we'll get into some other clips and actually have some stuff from the trial, from the attorneys and whatnot. I think this is important. I think this is yeah. important, and I think that they're using this as a precedent. And I didn't really understand it until I listened to hours and hours of this this attorney talking and kind of really, you know, Alex Jones talking outside the courthouse. This is absolutely 100% like he said, a show trial. And some of the things that kind of have went on as far back as 2011 when they're trying to focus in on, I didn't realize all that was going on. And I think it is... Uh, 
informative for us in this day and age that you can get big, but if you get too big, then then we can't get that big. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna shut you down. I, I guess Andrew Tate is the current be- one that's being shut down. Some kickboxer who said something crazy like, "Hey, don't live in fear. Don't let them, you know, control you through fear." And all of a sudden, all his social media accounts got shut off. Well, you know, Alex Jones was patient zero, and nobody cared. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I had no idea how 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 this all went down. And I just I don't know, man. I think this is. It's like it's maybe after after going through all this, I want to I, I want to buy his book. I'll, I'm not going to buy the boner pills, but I'll try, I'll try and buy something on his website. Maybe get an Infowars shirt or something. The guy uh, needs to be supported. Vi- Vitamin Mineral Fusion is an excellent product. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Do you like the Andrews. Vitamin Mineral Fusion? Yeah. Be sure we split that paycheck in half. Okay. So <laughs> All right. Now, 40% off, only $60 instead of 100 Listen, I've been fighting the globalists for years. There were, some clips, the, there were some clips in some of these videos where I was young, and I didn't sound like this at all. But this is what happens when you keep smoking. Yeah. Too much smoking, too much drinking. The biggest concern for the judge in the Alex Jones trial is for the jury to see through their deception. So before the jury is allowed in, she clearly reminds Jones how he's not allowed to defend himself. Um, There's certain areas that um, your attorney is well aware of as um, is opposing counsel that um, are not going to be asked about and cannot be testified about. And I'm more than happy to go over. It's a very short list, and I'm more than happy to go over it with you if you want me to. But if you don't want me to, that's fine, too. I'm simply trying to avoid any issues in front of the jury. I don't want to have any unpleasantness. There's no other way to put it. So that's why I'm willing to do it if you want me to do it, to do it but I don't have to do it. Well, please do, Judge, because... Uh... Okay, that's enough. My lawyers, that, they, they told me about that. The, yes, the, yes was en- the yes was enough. That's all I need to know. And the lawyers know not to ask you these questions, so the only way there would be a problem is if you gave a non-responsive answer. Um, so if I just go over it briefly, I don't think we're going to have any problem at all. So the lawyers are not going to ask you about, nor can you offer any testimony about, the plaintiff's settlement with the former defendants, Wolfgang Halbig and Corey Sklanka, um, the Soto versus Bushmaster case, and who the plaintiff did not sue. So I understand you may not agree with those rulings, and this is just a yes or a no answer. Do you understand that you may not testify on those topics? Yes. Okay. So there can be no testimony, and there's not going to be any questions, obviously, regarding the maximum amount of Sandy Hook coverage on your shows or the percentage or proportion of Sandy Hook coverage? Uh, Yes or no? Do you understand that that's not testimony that you can offer? You're not going to be asked about it and you can't offer it? Yes. Good. Okay. Um, You may not offer testimony and you're not going to be asked um, about whether you substantially complied or you produced everything or that you um, challenge the basis for the default ruling. All of these issues may be the basis for an appeal, but they're not going to be asked, nor can you offer that testimony. Do you understand that? Yes. Okay. Um, Finally, the First Amendment is not an issue in this hearing and damages. No one is going to ask you about the First Amendment. This is not the appropriate forum for you to 
offer that testimony. Do you understand that, sir? Yes. All right. Is there anything that prevents you from understanding what we just talked about? I understand. As long as they don't ask those questions. Right. They're not going to ask you those questions. If they did, I mean, they're officers of the court and they understand the rulings. So they're not going to ask you those questions. After attacking free speech systems, all American business model, the plaintiffs then focus on a single video that went viral 10 years ago featuring Robbie Parker. This video was played on InfoWars because it was a viral video, which alone made it newsworthy. Once the plaintiffs established that InfoWars played this video, they dramatically introduced an emotional Robbie Parker in the courtroom. The cameras move in for the close-up, shaking with emotion by the mere presence of Alex Jones for playing a viral video. As far as Alex Jones's crimes, it's not clear what their claim is, but their argument is clear. According to the plaintiffs, alternative media should not exist and should not be allowed to report the news. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right, a couple things uh, there. One of them is, obviously, she basically tells him, these are all the things that you can't say during this uh, this <laughs> supposed trial, when it's not even really a trial, it's a show trial. Uh, but one of the things that he can't say is the amount of content that was devoted to Sandy Hook. Do which, you know, would, which would seem to be relevant when you are claiming basically that he got rich off of Sandy Hook coverage. So, between Sandy Hook and now, how much time do you think that he spent on air, on InfoWars, talking about Sandy Hook? Uh, oh, I don't know couple hours 23 minutes <laughs> 23 minutes is the amount of time that he's actually spent on this and the whole thing that they're going after is that he is this dirty media guy who brings people to his website and tries to sell them stuff <laughs> well and he it's a three-hour show every day yes three or four hours yeah yeah, yeah. they have 23 minutes of him personally talking about Sandy Hook 23 and of course what the other thing she mentions in there is you can't talk about discovery he gave them everything absolutely everything we talked about this last week they're like oh there's child porn in your spam folder people they were like dude it's not opened like what are you talking we don't even know how how did you know that was there it's weird that you guys know that's there because I we never even saw that like what are you talking about we turned it over to you um, he gave them absolutely everything in discovery and they like they still like just move. I can't. I can't describe the hours I listen to of this and how frustrating it feels. Also, how fake and desperate it is. And this lead attorney is holy cow. <laughs> he thought the Rittenhouse guy was bad. This guy mm. is the uh, arrogant to end all arrogance and just talks down on Jones. And Jones can't say anything. He's basically been told by the judge he can't say anything. The whole thing is a so- show trial. He had a couple good, you know, zingers this week. I didn't clip them because they were all over social media. 
He's like, are you sorry? Are you sorry? And he, so he goes, I'm not done. I'm not going to apologize to you anymore. I've apologized to the families. I'm done apologizing. He's like, well, right. just keep saying. Is this saying a Chinese that. struggle session? He goes, is this a Chinese struggle <laughs> session? <laughs> you called this judge a tyrant, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> didn't you? Uh, what or, do you? Or, or, don't you call, you call people? people tyrants a lot? Only when they act like tyrants. Only when they yeah. act like it. He, he just can't help himself. And he, Honestly, he remains calm throughout. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy what he's going through. I feel for the guy. Um, you know, it's just it's it's just absolutely wild. I was thinking it got so bad this last week that they had they like broke down a Greg Reese clip. <laughs> And they're like, did you put this on the website? He's like, well, I mean, it's my website, but I've been here. Like, I don't like, they're like, well, doesn't he work for you? He goes, well, I mean, he's an independent contractor. Do you pay Greg Reese? And he's like, I mean, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) He goes, so did you direct, did you direct him to put this video up? And he's like, no, he just put it up. Like, (laughs) this, this, this website's running without me. Like, I don't have, you know, so you don't even know what's on your own website. He's like, I mean, no, not everything. (laughs) Yeah, and I've been here, <laughs> but they literally like break down a Greg like Greg Reese, and they start reading what Greg Reese said during the thing. It just shows how desperate they are because they're bringing up stuff from the last week. But anyway, uh, these opening arguments uh, very uh, very interesting. Let me just let me jump into it. This attorney, really really awesome dude here, but he, the way he sums this up, it's the kicker at the end, the punchline of this. I, I really like here. Thank you. Thank you. So when we met in jury selection, uh, I said to most of you that it was kind of an unusual way for us to meet with the microphone and the judge and the huge courtroom, and we're trying to get to know you. And you probably walked into this courtroom today feeling nervous and a little bit bewildered by even more of a formality. A bigger courtroom, screens all over the place. We got people, we got cameras. And what I want to say to you is that when you put all of that aside, all of it aside, all we're here to do, all you're here to do, is to use your common sense and your life experience to come together as a community, which is what you are, representatives of the community, to hold Alex Jones accountable for what he did in the minutes, the hours, the days, the months, and the years after the worst thing that ever happened to this community. And when you speak at the end of this case with your verdict, you'll be speaking on behalf of the community. And you may not know this now, but you have everything you need to decide this case. Your life's experiences, the hardships you've been through, the tragedies you've been through, knowing what it is to live as a human being in the world, what your parents taught you, what your grandparents taught you, to know the difference between right and wrong, to know the difference between the truth and a horrible lie, to know the importance of standing up to bullies when they prey on people who are helpless and profit from them, and to know that unless you stop a bully, a bully will never stop himself. And when it comes to stopping Alex Jones, that will be the most important work that you do here. And we're all here because of him, one man, Alex Jones. I'm going to be displaying some slides here throughout the presentation. But this is Alex Jones. 
And this is his company, InfoWars. We'll be referring to it as InfoWars throughout the case, but it's free speech systems. They're the same thing. And over the past 20 years, Alex Jones has built a media and business empire from his studio in Austin, Texas. Didn't always look like this. And InfoWars revolves around Alex Jones, his personality. And this simple idea that he's been pushing for 20 years, which is designed to elicit fear and anxiety and paranoia and anger in his audience. And that simple message is this, that there is a global plot of financial and media and political elites, including in our own government, who are plotting to establish a one-world tyrannical government to enslave and kill people. That's the message. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, uh, good thing we never so... thought about this. <laughs> You're kidding me. He says that on. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh. It's like like what it says in the Bible. Like that's how the world is. Oh no. Lock him up. <laughs> oh. So, uh, next up, we're going to go to just how how many people Alex Jones is reaching with this dangerous method message of there's a group of global elites that want to kill you, as evidenced by the last two years, what? and especially the last 25. Anyway, what? Let, let me jump in with a couple uh, quotes. Um, I started rereading... The Jockey Lule propaganda. Good for book. you, because uh, John C. Dvorak triggered you. So, like a true Manchurian uh, candidate, you picked it up. Yeah, I, I meant to refer to this last week. I'm not sure if I did or not. But uh, it's kind of funny, because Dvorak always refers to Lule's books, Propaganda and mm-hmm. Technological Society. Uh, and Adam Curry always refers to... Professor Ted, a.k.a. the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. But Ted Kaczynski and, read Jockey Lule. You're the one that taught me that. Yeah. And that's, and they don't, they never put that together. Because, you know, Dvorak has never read Ted Kaczynski, and Adam Curry's never read Elul. But, um, anyway. Elul is definitely the, the smarter of the two, we'll put it that way. I mean, and more, more how moral. You- yeah, definitely more moral. But how can you say he's the smarter? I mean, did he have CIA, you know, MK Ultra mind control experiments played on him? Well, have you ever read a Jackie Lua book? Yes, I have two of them that my friend Andrew sent me. <laughs> I have made it but through, uh, just, I think I've read almost all of Propaganda, and I've made it through the first quarter, thir- third of uh, te- Technological Society. Like, if you read... Just like the the books that he read to write the books that he wrote, <laughs> it's like how did I, you know he must be a fast reader. But anyway, um, so a couple things just on the his intro here talking about propaganda. Um, let's see. The transformation of very small groups by purely psychological means is one of the most important techniques of propaganda. Only when very small groups are thus annihilated, when the individual finds no more defenses, no equilibrium, no resistance exercised by the group to which he belongs, 
does total action by propaganda become possible? Propaganda must be total. And then I'll, I'll skip down. Each usable medium has its own particular way of penetration, specific, but at the same time localized and limited. And um, so, oh, let's see, there's one other thing I wanted to read, but uh, he talks about alongside mass media of communication, propaganda employs censorship. We've seen plenty of that. Legal text, the Alex Jones trial, proposed legislation, international conferences, and so forth. Thus introducing elements seemingly alien to propaganda. I think, and then of course he talks about school, which I think is a little more, more obvious. Um, but the idea that total propaganda cannot have the dissident voice at a certain point. At a, there's stages along the way where kind of the fake fighting is is useful. Yeah, and we've we've talked a lot about that and the kind of the political infighting and what have you. But at a certain point, to reach the the total propaganda level, they can't have anyone anyone with a voice to resist, and that's the stage we're in now. Of no, you don't get to talk. Right, and you know, people like you and I, I think eventually are going to have to worry because there's going to they're going to crack down on everybody, but. Alex Jones had to wor- has has to worry and is being sought out. And I'm glad you read that. That's perfect to add right here. And the reason is, and I had no idea, and we talked about this briefly last week, the numbers, the sheer numbers that this guy was getting, I had no idea it was that big. You know, we, hmm. you and I cracked into this long ago. By the time this all happens, we're still deep in conspiracy realm. I mean, we're already doing shows by the time this is going on. So we are not new to the game. We are not new to Alex Jones. We're not new to InfoWars. We're not new to James Corbett. We're not new to... It's kind of old hat for us. But there was a lot of people, I think, that were awakened at that time to know at least who Alex Jones was and what he was talking about that I had no idea it was growing that much at that moment. And that explains you know, the little quote of nobody could be a dissonant voice explains kind of why they took him down at this moment, uh, as this attorney will tell you just how big Alex Jones had gotten. Uh, said you heard of Alex Jones, others of you hadn't. But what you will learn in this case is just how influential he became. I want you to take a look at this slide here. This is from InfoWars own internal data. These are the numbers. Just for Infowars.com, his website in 2011. Okay? Not Facebook, not Twitter, not YouTube, just his one website. Nearly a quarter billion page views in that year alone. 32 million users, 85 million sessions. This is the audience that he had amassed that were tuning in every day. That's nuts. That's a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 85 million users. Uh, well, it's 32 million. I'm sorry, users. 32 million yeah. users, 85 million sessions. So it's few few users did it twice. But yeah, I mean, and that's not all people in the U.S. Obviously, but it's a the you know a tenth of the U.S. population. Right. At that point. So, Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a decent amount, and I always thought it—you know—this was fringe. I didn't realize it had gotten this mainstream. No, you, I mean he—he 
he was pushing Ron Paul in 2012, and they had to pull funny business to to knock that down. Yeah, they def- definitely did. They definitely did. Do you know the scary stuff that they talk about on the Alex Jones show during this time with all those numbers? I, I was one of those people, yeah. And, and what they were tuning into was Alex Jones telling them that, had you heard about that latest famine orchestrated by the global conspiracy that's coming after you? Have you heard about chemical pollutants in our water and our food? They're intentionally doing that to kill you off. Have you heard about the latest pandemic intentionally released upon you to depopulate you? Have you heard about falling fertility rates? The government trying to lower your sex drive so you have fewer children. Have you heard about mass shootings? Government operations as a pretext to take away your guns. Every day, something you would be afraid of. And you're going to hear about this business model. You hear, have you heard about all those things, Andrew? Well, you know, something to be afraid of. Uh, the only difference between mainstream media and Alex Jones is mainstream media is like, be afraid, be afraid, but trust the government. Yeah. And it's all, it's all the stuff just happens randomly. And, you know, it's certainly not the That's benevolent good... government's fault. And Alex Jones is saying, like, no, they're doing it on purpose. Like, stuff happens because people do stuff, which is, you know, just <laughs> crazy. No, it's all a coincidence, but... Yeah, that's a good point. It's be afraid, be afraid, be afraid is exactly what the media does. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black there. Yeah. This next clip is uh, it's very. It's pretty short, but this is the this this attorney, the wonderful and amazing attorney, arrogant and uh, super intelligent as he is. This is an interesting clip where he discovers that some media has advertisements. <laughs> And you're going to hear about this business model. This business model, though, depends on one thing, and that is an endless thing for people to fear. And he grew his audience, and he grew his audience for one reason. So that by the time they came to his website, he could send them to his store where they could buy stuff. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So he was producing content selling ads and products to try to pay for yeah i mean all the content 2011 i don't think alex jones was selling his own stuff at that point it was he was advertising other people you know berkey water filters colloidal silver joel (laughs) wallach supplements and yeah 100 percent so yeah so i don't know i thought that was funny attorney discovers that there's uh ads in the media all right, this next clip is Alex Jones. The audio is terrible, I will warn you now. But this is Alex Jones outside of the courtroom doing his own press conference. And I didn't put it all in there, but there's been... When you hear this press conference, you hear there's a lot more going on in this courtroom than even than you see and hear. Because Alex is being told he can't say anything. But the thing about Alex is he is who he is. And you gotta love him for it. But... I could not imagine being his attorney because they're bringing up stuff like, you know, the they show the ju- oh, that was what it was. Greg Reese was showing the judge with laser eyes. <laughs> and he's like, is, did you did you direct them to put this up? He's like, no. 
He's like, well, what are they doing? This? You, you, do you think it's right to depict the judge with laser eyes? And he's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was, so you don't even know what's going on. Here. But anyway, uh, he is calling out the judge as being dishonest. He's saying that the whole thing is a show trial. He's calling out the attorney as a, as a jerk. He's doing all these things. And... Off the show, like on the on the show, in between these you know show trial dates, so what they're doing is they they're literally going home and listening to Infowars, the attorneys, and then bringing back the clips. Oh, he said this, he said this, showing just how desperate their case is that they well, have to bring current clips, and all this is supposedly about Sandy Hook. And how how is that? relevant it's not none of this is relevant it's he can't answer a question the only during the trial the only way he's allowed to answer is yes no or i don't know and every time he strays from that that she puts the smack down and won't let him respond then she calls you know then then she calls him up his attorney's done a decent job you know he calls him up he's one of the other clippable things that made the uh twitter or whatever this week was she asked or he, the attorney says, "Well, your most important job is your, or your most, the thing that's the most important to you about you and your website is to protect your credibility." Would you agree that's true? And he goes, "No." And he goes, "Well, what is the most important job?" Then he goes, "It's to crush globalists." <laughs> <laughs> so then the attorney goes, "Okay, so while you're crushing globalists," and his attorney says, "Objection," and he says, "Hey, we need to approach the bench." So they approach the bench, and he's like, "Look, he's not." He, my attorney, my client is not allowed to open the door of talking about politics. And you asked what the most important job was. He told you it's crushing globalists. Well, then if you pick up that line of questioning with how do you trust a globalist or that you think crushing globalists is important, then we're going to open a whole door here that you said we can't open about talking about politics. And so he makes them restructure the question. It's just, it's just the whole thing is absolutely absurd. But what you don't hear in this whole thing is that attorney went on and on and on to the point where the the guy who is front and center the one who supposedly is who's suing because he came out and laughed at the press conference and that was the viral video i I can't remember his name now the you know the victim's father from sandy hook apparently he lit into the attorney after this huge display because this goes on and these are just the first few minutes it goes on and on and on and they repeatedly try to get jones heated to say something crazy he doesn't but this attorney basically kind of forgets that there's supposedly you know this is about the children when it's not (laughs) about the children it's just about grandstanding and having your perry mason moment while you try to take down alex jones and he, apparently he gets yelled at, dressed down by uh, several different people, as hmm. Alex will talk about in this clip here. But anyway, the audio is bad. He's outside the uh, courtroom doing a impromptu press conference because, you know, love him or hate him, Alex Jones just won't shut up. So, <laughs> What to expect? You're asking what to expect next week when I have my time to testify. Yep. It's still rigged, but at least he's able to ask me a few basic questions. Today, it's so restrictive of what the judge said we can talk about that there's no point of getting up there and, and just being like a mannequin or a dummy. And so that's what's happening. But just remember, just remember that they weaponized the judiciary, the deep state is going after all their political enemies and opponents and trying with lawfare to bankrupt them or put them in prison. And this is extremely dangerous. We're supposed to be land of free, home of the brave, and they're using these children not just to try to get rid of the Second Amendment, but now the First Amendment. Go ahead, ma'am. Oh, I was just asking you what you 
Well, I don't want to specifically get into attorney-client privilege type stuff, but uh, in Norm Pattis' words, Chris Maddy crapped the bed. And uh, his legal colleagues all over the state, including Democrats and Republicans, uh, judges, you name it, have, have chimed in and said, my God, that was the most disgusting thing they've probably ever seen. He looked like a fool. Uh, and in a case they thought that they were sure to win, he may have lost the case for them. And I can tell you, Maddie's father, who's a famous lawyer, shoot him out and screamed at him in there yesterday after what he did. I mean, he absolutely got completely out of control, trying to piss me off to get out of control, and I didn't get out of control. And so we're just going to let him throw more fits in there, and then he'll get up there and Josh Koskoff will start crying, and then look at the jury and go cry, cry, and, and try to get a big cry fest going in there because they want to suck money out of people. The good news is I don't have hardly any money, despite what they lie about in the press, okay? You know, if I have gross sales of $6 million a year, but then I have all this crew and all this advertising and all the legal fees, and I get paid a couple million dollars a year, and after I pay taxes, and after I pay for everything else, I, I am almost completely out of money. So it's a joke. I'm in bankruptcy. And the judge barred me from saying that. So so it's just ridiculous. Well, listen, I came from Access TV. I came from local talk radio. I was super happy when I was living in a hundred thousand dollar house and you know and and, and, a, and a trailer at my grandma's house. I love it. Money means absolutely nothing to me. I have raised all this money to build an independent media system, my own satellite uplinks, my own reporters, my own crews, and we try to tell the truth. We've broken thousands of big stories, and we've gotten dozens of stories wrong. But I'm proud of our record. I'm proud of Infowars.com. I mean, proud of his record, proud of Infowars.com. It's not... I don't disagree with him there. I think he does have a lot to be to be proud of. Uh, but it, it's kind of sad to watch this kind of takedown in real life. Well, and it not it... I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that Alex Jones spent a lot more than 23 minutes talking about 9-11. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet, uh, and the, and interesting the com- that they don't yeah. they don't go after him. You know, why doesn't uh, why doesn't Dick Cheney sue him for, for libel? And yeah. Let, let's, let's have a trial on that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Why, does, why doesn't, yeah. Why doesn't uh, instead the, Fauci the, sue him for calling him Doctor Mengele or whatever? Yeah, was. yeah. This the Sandy Hook thing where he went, like it, you know, they do have the the money quote of him saying, "Oh yeah, it's, it was totally a hoax," which was in response to a guest, and after he had said, for, you know, initially he's like, "Well, they like killing kids, so I don't think it's a hoax." Do you yeah, know who's mixed up in this when I went back and listened to this? I didn't clip any. The guy part. in Florida? Uh, Pachenik. Mm. Pachenik's mixed up in this. So he starts talking to Pachenik around this time, and Pachenik supposedly moved in and started talking to him about what was going on in Sandy Hook. And I don't trust that guy as far as I can throw him. And <laughs> no. Supposedly, <laughs> supposedly, he's talking to Alex Jones uh, around the time of Sandy Hook. So, yeah, I don't know. And he even mentions that. He did an interview, which we're going to listen to next, but what? not. I didn't clip that part of it, but he did an interview with Dale Bigtree a couple of weeks ago, and I clipped out a section I thought was interesting and relevant. But, yeah, he talks about with uh, Dale Bigtree that Pachenik had reached out to him and thought that there was a psychological aspect to the whole Sandy Hook thing. 
And it was like he couldn't tell if Pachenik had done it or if they were just going to move forward and use it or, you know, is Pachenik still intelligence or whatever. It's yeah, it's weird. Yeah, the whole thing... It was... Well, when you look at Adam Lanza... Yeah, he's a 100-pound, scrawny little kid. He's got 60 pounds of weapons and ammunition. And he's yeah. got those, like, been-experimented-on eyes... You know, yeah. demon possessed eyes. Yeah. He, How much range he, time had that kid logged? Because he, no one survived. Remember, everyone he shot died. Like no one survived. So there was no like partially injured. You know, Uvalde, some of these other shootings. There's people who come out injured. Everyone well, in this one dead. So th- I'm a little surprised that the. <laughs> I don't want to give the attorneys any ideas, but. A thriving part of the whole Alex Jones Infowars thing was the forums back in the day. Absolutely, yeah. That's and when there when there was a shooting, there would be people the going nuts. Comments. Like every bit of information would be in there. Every you know, everybody got their theories in there. Everyone's. I, I talked so about there, this several times. I talked about being on Reddit. Like when Sandy Hook happened shortly after, being on Reddit when uh, the Boston bombing happened, where people are uploading like cell phone video and like it was for a minute there, people were doing real, you know, at the moment investigative journalism, like comparing notes. And, you know, yeah. InfoWars comments was legendary for it. The well, comments on all the stories. Going all the way back to columbine because the the witness testimony doesn't match like oh it was these two you know dylan Kleibold, these two and that's it it's like well that doesn't match who these three different people said they saw a shooting right and it's been the same story for a lot of these and okay maybe sandy hook was the exception in that oh the official story just totally true except the official story changed yeah it did it was reported as his brother his brother uh, what's not me i'm not there you know i don't know yep but guy in camo arrested yeah, just guy random in guy camo in, camo in, the, in the woods and then guns the, in the back of the car yep. and, and then a, yeah. a car driving away with priests and nuns in it yeah all yeah. all just above board it was all that adam lance guy yeah, so it's you have to be able to ask questions. Otherwise, you you know we're done. And Alex Jones, you know, he gets called a conspiracy theorist, and I guess there is some technical conspiracy theorizing. But mainly, he like he says he calls out known liars. Yeah, says so like they're not telling the truth about. 9-11 they're not telling the truth about this he's never said like oh it was this group of people that did xyz he says they're not telling the truth about it, it doesn't add up well, are- and that's that's what he said in one of the you know uh conferences uh press conferences outside he says you know th- i gave him everything for discovery i gave him everything I gave him all my all that they said they wanted everything i gave it all to him they said well this isn't everything and i'm like no it is and they said well we need your text message so i gave him all that and he goes, I don't have anything to hide. I'm just some guy who gets on the air and reads news stories for three hours a day. I, I don't have anything <laughs> to hide. They have it all, and it's not good enough. They want more, and I don't have more. This is it. Right. It's, yeah. it and it's true. He's just some guy who gets on the radio and reads news stories for three hours a day. He has an incredible mind and a great memory and connects the dots, but that's pretty much... It appears that he is what he says yeah, he indif- is. 
if people are only familiar with recent Alex Jones, I think that might be the know, case too. A lot of people might be in that. Yeah, if if you go back, because he, you know, he'd have great guests on that you wouldn't hear other places. I mean, he yeah. basically at that point he was alternative media. He was, yeah, absolutely. He had everybody. I mean, he had James Corbin on. I remember. I think that might yeah, have been the first where, time I heard of James Corbin. Yeah. I don't know. And it, I actually he had, heard of Alex Jones via 9-11 Truth, the David Ray Griffin book. He, he kept citing interviews on the Alex Jones show, so then I started, found the Alex Jones show. But most people started with the Alex Jones show and then branched off from there. And and he would have other you know radio hosts on and what have you, Stan Monteith and people like that. Oh, yeah. And good old Bob Chapman, yep. interna- international forecaster, which is now, now James's james corbett does that but miss shedlock he had on i mean he had everybody on lots of people so that's it was an important thing and yes his memory and recall and if you listen long enough you would know exactly what he was talking about and you would also know like the parts he was getting wrong yeah like well it's that's not exactly how it is alex you're you know you kind of have to interpret it it's not like gospel truth but it was very, it was very fact based. I, I absolutely was, and I I enjoyed. I think it was two years ago. Was it twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? I think it was twenty twenty. Uh, Joe Rogan had Alex Jones, and then that uh, not so funny comedian on. I can't remember his name. <laughs> and at, yeah. I think it was one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to because it was well, watched. You have to watch the video just because. Alex Jones show comes to town and it was awesome because the normie bias of Joe Rogan was like Joe, like Jones would just go on these rants and Joe Rogan's a great interviewer. Love him or hate him. He's a great interviewer. And he was like, no, 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 let's, let's back it up. Let's, let's go back down to facts. Let's, you know what you just said there. That can't be real. You know, this is this and this is this. Let's, let's look this up. And he goes, okay, uh, you know, Jimmy search, da, 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 da. Yeah. And like they lie, they fact check him. There was Twitter blew up when this happened, but they they start fact checking Jones live on the show as they're going, and everything he says checks out. Like every single thing he says checks out. And there were people who were just like you know posting all these memes of you know people dying laughing or screaming from, you know with their hands in the air, like Alex Jones being you know you know tested live on air. It was it was amazing because all the normies got to see like. Oh yeah, this guy's totally nuts, and Joe tries to slow him down, and then somebody fact checks him live on the air, and it's right. What he said was right. What he's talking about is real. He constantly yeah. did stuff like that, and nowadays I think it's less and less like that. It's more other people contributing to Infowars, and a lot of it's because I mean he doesn't know what to do with himself at this point, and I think he's under a lot of stress. Yeah, he needs a vacation, and he needs, you know, I mean. Greg Reese is putting together better, <laughs> better stuff than he used to make full length documentaries. I mean, yeah, I was doing all sorts of stuff. But. Well, and did he? I didn't watch the last. He made didn't he make one? The lockdowns and then the vaccine. The last the COVID pandemic lockdown and then vaccines. He he produced it. Uh, he wasn't like directing it and narrating. And he it just wrote a book to Endgame, the blueprint for global enslavement. Except somebody else wrote it. I'm sure. 
Oh no, the end game. That's the uh, that's the old that's the old documentary. That's I'm his old of... movie that he always thought was his best documentary, and I don't think it was his best one. But yeah, it was it was a good one. No, what's the new one? He just wrote a book though. It's called Yeah, the Great no, Reset. The, the Great Reset. Yeah, which was ghost written by which is good else. SEO, man. Because then when people search great reset they're gonna see alex jones's book about to buy this dude's book just to support him i don't know it's just he's going through it anyway uh two weeks ago i was on dell big tree and did an interview which i thought was really good uh i clipped a relevant portion of it about five six minutes but it it's it's uh i think it's a good way to kind of wrap up who alex jones is and kind of what he's going through where he sits down with you know somewhat of a peer he doesn't really have a peer but you know somebody bigger uh, who he yeah. feels more comfortable with. Well, and Del Bigtree, I, I haven't followed his stuff real closely, but he's kind of come a long ways from like more normie on the liberal side to, you know, he's he's come at it from the vaccine side Absolutely. and seen what's, what's yeah. gone on Which, there. And that's kind of like Kennedy, same deal, where yeah. they... They see like, oh, wait a second, maybe <laughs> uh, Alex Berenson's the only one who can't figure it out, though. Like, oh yeah, the New York Times m- must be telling the truth about uh, Alex Jones, even though they're—I know they're lying about COVID. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dell Bigtree is—you know—he's got that Native American blood in him. That's why he gets the last name Big Tree. So yeah. it's in his—it's in his heritage to maybe not 100% trust the government and what they're saying, especially <laughs> after you discover they're injecting people with poison, mainly kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and before, I didn't really like Trump. thought he was some cheesy reality show guy that owned hotels. But then when I saw him attack him, I thought, well, if you know, he was actually anti-war previously, and he did question 9-11 when it happened and thought there were bombs in the building. So the more I learned about Trump, the more I liked him. Uh, and then Trump's people reached out. They wanted support, talked to Trump some. And they said, no, no, we're going to impress you. We're going to control the border, stop the human smuggling. We're going to uh, stop the fentanyl. We're going to stop all these wars. We're going to bring our jobs back. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, certainly I'm going to then get behind this. And then Trump started running. And then they went, okay, Jones is Trump's brain, which I was never really his brain. Steve Bannon and Steve Miller and a few of those guys were his main advisors, though I had inspired them. I now know I've talked to them. And, but, but, but I was just pushing a classic Americana populism that was anti-imperialism, anti-corruption, anti-war, pro-prosperity, that transcended all these football you know, you know, uh, diversionary issues. And so, I, I mean, I guess I was more Trump's brain that I knew, so they ran all these TV ads saying Trump's brain is Alex Jones. Hillary's last month was mainly Alex Jones. It's also what happens when you listen to the radio host, Alex Jones, who claims that 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombings were inside jobs. So that built me up in the liberal progressive's mind as like Godzilla attacking Tokyo and actually made us a lot bigger. I mean, we had 87 million different IP addresses and that wasn't hacking. That was real people coming. Come to Infowars.com in the week before the, the, the 2016 election. We had, you know, 10 times the viewers of CNN, uh, three or four times CBS, all of it. So, so we had the biggest audience in the lead up and then for that period. So then they started the deplatforming, uh, the shadow. In their mind, Alex Jones got Donald Trump elected. Oh, absolutely. And... What really happened was when they started demonizing Trump, 
for his populist affiliations with myself and others, then my audience said, okay, he must be good. So Politico asked me years ago when Rand Paul first got elected to the Senate, he came on the show, we backed him and all that. They said, how could we have beaten Rand Paul? And I said, corporate media is so discredited, you should have endorsed Rand Paul if you wanted to beat him, but you would never do that. And it's the same thing. When they said, I ran Trump, they said it for about three months before the end of the election. That made his poll numbers actually go up internally. So their own prophecy was fulfilled. And the, and the truth was, I wasn't influencing Trump that much. He just kind of came along and took over the populist movement that I was part of. And so he rode in on that wave and he tried to deliver on some of it, but, but on a lot of it, he failed. But regardless, now in the Democrats' brain, I am literally the nerve center of the Republican Party and I run everything, which I don't. But because of them saying it, now it's becoming true. And so I'm actually horrified now because they think I'm like the top general and it's actually becoming that because they keep saying it. And it's, it's bizarre. They're, they're, create, they're creating the monster that they're afraid of. They're, I mean, they're creating the monster, just like exactly, you know, the Godzilla analogy is setting off the hydrogen bombs wakes him up. And, and I'm not Godzilla. But They're waking up the populist sleeping giant. Right, correct. And at this point, I'm just like, dude, I don't want civil war. I don't care who's in power. I'm not trying to be in bed with the Republican Party, Democratic Party. I'm not trying to get government contracts. I'm not trying to get financial, you know, d political donations. I just wanted freedom, and, 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 and I don't want to be political, not because they attacked me, but because it's seedy and it's gross, and I came from the outside, and now they've put me in the center of the inside and have weaponized everything to take me out, and actually it's just making me bigger, which is, I'm not stupid. As I get bigger, 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 bigger now, it makes it more dangerous. Right. Where I gotta have 24 hour a day security and all the rest of it, so I, I wasn't looking for this, but the alchemy of the dialectic they've created, whether they knew they did it or not, has... Well, that'd be my question, because in some ways, it's, it's a bit like, I, I think they create monsters. I think they push Donald Trump because they thought he's such a cartoon, we'll easily be able to beat him, Hillary will wipe him out. So the media really had fun pushing him and really moving him through you know, all the debates. Just, he got all the attention, right? It was, like a, it was like a clown show to them. They gave him all the attention thinking he'll be the one we can beat, yet they made him bigger, bigger, bigger to the point where he, by the time it came around, he was invincible. Everyone was watching him. We were, we were all, whether we were against him or for him, you were addicted to the show. Well, absolutely. I am so sick of media. I don't really watch anybody else's podcast hardly ever, but my wife watches you every week. I watch almost every week when I get a chance because you always have such incredible insights and put it better than I do. It's not your opinion what you just said. It later came out that Hillary pressured CNN and ABC and others. Just like we now learn, Zuckerberg admits the FBI told them, don't let the laptop story get out. Right. That, that's an election meddling they submitted. But, but what you just said is totally true. Hillary election meddled on purpose in internal memos that have come out that Trump's a clown. He'll be the easiest to beat of all these candidates. Right. Make sure he wins the nomination. And then they built the monster, right. Frankenstein. But Hillary is Dr. Frankenstein. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah. And, and what's, what's crazy is... I don't know this is true, but, but, the, but the whole point is Dr. Steve Pachinik did run psychological operations with the CIA and, and the State Department. And he told me, uh, he won't come on the show now for whatever, he's not doing any interviews. Uh, he has something going on. But he told me basically all this stuff would happen like, like, like five years ago, 10 years ago. He would say, oh, well, we're, we're running a dialectic and you watch. And as long as you can take it, 
watch what we're going to do to you, and we're going to attack you, and it's going to make you bigger. And I'm like, dude, you're an old man. You're crazy. Wrote the Tom Clancy books and all that. And now whatever is going on, either he was boasting something that wasn't yeah. true or that happened. And I'm not with the CIA. I'm not, I'm not up here getting orders from anybody, but there's some big brains up there right. that know how to build monsters. And, and whoever told them to try to put Trump in, Hillary didn't want that. She believed her advisors that said, put him out there. Well, what are they doing to me? What do they think having me on every channel, every newspaper, right. Right. every day does? It doesn't make us smaller. It makes us bigger. So here's what I'm saying is, this is sophisticated. And I don't, I, I'm actually in over my head at this point, and I don't know what's going on. That's a wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap for my segment. Yeah. On Alex a, Jones. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on at this point. Yeah. Well. I think you're vindicated. Not that you were ever, I guess, not vindicated, or not that you were ever kind of condemned, but... Your theory throughout the 2016 election was that Donald Trump is going to wipe out the whole Republican Party and be the nominee, and then he's going to quietly bow out and hand it over to Hillary. Basically, you know, blow himself up somehow. Oh, oh, I, you know, something right. came up, and then he's going to hand it off to Hillary. And holy cow, Andrew, I think you nailed that 100%. It's just. He he just double crossed him. Yeah, that was what you thought. That, you know, after afterwards, I thought, ah, your th your theory's wrong. You said, nah, maybe he double crossed him. He got, and that was your kind of just a passing. Well, maybe he got too big, and he was able to. Apparently, that's what happened, man. That's that's yeah. how it went down. He she created Frankenstein's monster. She is a a character. Well, they, yeah, they and they had it rigged in 2016. It's not like they invented yeah, no, all that stuff did. in 2020. Again, again I think that that was the three percent. The 6% swing, 3% off for you, 3% more for her, but guess what? The amount that you needed for Obama <laughs> to beat Romney, you needed a whole lot more <laughs> to get Hillary to beat Trump. To beat Trump yeah. You know? You, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and get, get this, the amount you needed for Hillary to beat Trump, you needed a whole lot more. <laughs> For Joe Biden to beat Trump, yeah, and yep. that's why they paused everything at midnight one night because a water main broke. I mean, a toilet leaked. I mean, uh, well, let's just stop well, counting until tomorrow. Things in multiple states, and then they're yeah. No, it's the whole. I think all that stuff is probably real. I don't know if like specific things. Like I don't know if you saw the. This is what it looked like when the. Election data was yeah, sent I've to seen Germany it, on yeah, you I've know and I saw that I saw that I like two three days after the election right right and it's I don't know if that's real it doesn't make sense like why are we sending election data to Germany exactly you know why do they get to see the real stuff well and, that's what that's what but, my pillow guy and I I could have clipped that and brought it to the show but he he got his you know he got detained at a Hardee's drive-through of all things and got yeah. his cell phone taken yeah. Because they're after him too, because he continues to try to get rid of these voting machines and whatnot. But that all came through him. That the supposedly Obama was routing somebody in the Obama former administration was routing the the results. What's the name of this company out of Colorado? So, Dominion. Yeah, Dominion was going through Italy by way of some you know military base in Germany, and this is what the election looked like until it was routed back. But there was also this stuff like, oh, so and so was killed in the firefight, which wasn't true, and you know, there's oh yeah, yeah. there was a lot the of a lot of thing. baloney. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. 
That's true. There's always baloney mixed in there, especially when Q's involved. There's a lot of baloney. I do. So I don't know how much of it's real either. I think that when we first started the show, we thought it's all rigged and they they have full control over it, and they're just you know anything that happens is allowed to happen. As I've gotten older, I think that's less likely. I think there is still factions within factions that are trying to. Uh, that are you know kind of competing yeah, for mean, the power. And when you get the, when you get the Zuckerberg hundred thousand dollars, you know what to do in your county. Yeah, you know that's yeah. what that's how they did it this last yeah. time around. But yeah, uh, you know it's it's a dirty business. It's absolutely like, dirty business. <laughs> absolutely. But the, it's also dirty on the other side, and it's the reason the Rhino Republicans keep getting elected, and the the decent people can't get can't win Republican primaries. Yeah, you know, and this is it's why this stuff can't come out because Brian Kemp would not be governor of Georgia if he let the election shenanigans come out because he's guilty too. Yeah. So it's yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Once you're in, you're in, and you got to protect it at all costs. Christy so. Todd Whitmer, she's you know right there. There's a bunch of governors. Oh, the air there. is safe to breathe. Yeah, and yeah. You're, you're set. Your political career is set, but yeah. yeah. The uh, and that that's even harder to control than the uh, bureaucracy, uh, big pharma slash big banking slash military industrial complex rotating door. Yeah, where you just. They don't even need votes for that. Right. That's what. The, well, there's, I don't know if you heard that clip on No Agenda. I heard it last American Vagabond too. I didn't didn't bring it, but the the banking committee and they say, oh yeah, well one of our banking um, SEC. I don't know if it's SEC, whatever government agency it was. Oh, going to work for Bank of America. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah well, her, her dad already works for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah, I did. Yep, I heard so, it. Now, now let's hear those really tough questions you're going to ask Bank of America. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Anyway, well, I've got uh, what I I'm pretty excited about a not just vaccines or poison, but a what I think is a very clear explanation of why vaccines are poison. Oof, and. Uh, put pretty well with dr cowan do you want to do that after our well i have a clip to pair with it i think we do those now and then we do donations after so i have a letter read live on the air uh from a vaxxer who wrote in uh to dell bigtree show of the high wire and he he read it out loud uh i thought it was powerful so Okay, yeah, go ahead and play that. Do you want to play that, or do you want to go to the poison? Poison first? Or no, go ahead, and, go ahead and play that. Yeah. I will say this. I did not write this, but somebody did. Susan, if it's you, this should be holding down a place in every textbook in the world in the future. And I'm going to read to you what I think is one of the most eloquently stated statements about what we have just been through and what we must all recognize is now the truth. And for those of you who've been watching The High Wire, this one's for you. Let this sink in. An opinion piece from a vaccinated Australian writer is what it's called. If COVID was a battlefield, it would still be warm with the bodies of the unvaccinated. 
Thankfully, the mandates are letting up and both sides of the war stumble back to the new normal. The unvaccinated are the heroes of the last two years as they allowed us all to have a control group in the great experiment and highlight the shortcoming of the COVID vaccines. The unvaccinated carry many battle scars and injuries as they are the people we tried to mentally break. Yet no one wants to talk about what we did to them and what they forced the science to unveil. We knew that the waning immunity of the fully vaccinated had the same risk profile as others within society as the minority of the unvaccinated, yet we marked them for special persecution. You see, we said that they had not done the right thing for the greater good by handing their bodies and medical autonomy over to the state. Many of the so-called health experts and political leaders in Australia admitted the goal was to make life almost unlivable for the unvaccinated which was multiplied many times by the collective mob, with the fight taken into workplaces, friendships, and family gatherings. Today, the hard truth is none of it was justified as we took a quick slide from righteousness to absolute cruelty. We might lay the blame on our leaders and health experts for the push, but each individual within society must be held accountable for stepping into the well-laid-out trap. We did this despite knowing full well that principled opposition is priceless when it comes to what goes inside our bodies and we let ourselves be tricked into believing that going into another ineffective lockdown would be the fault of the unvaccinated and not the fault of the toxic policy of ineffective vaccines. We took pleasure in scapegoating the unvaccinated because after months of engineered lockdowns by political leaders blinded by power, having someone to blame in turn to burn at the stake felt good. We believed we had logic, love, and truth on our side, so it was easy to wish death upon the unvaccinated. Those of us who ridiculed and mocked the non-compliant did it because we were embarrassed by their courage and principles and didn't think the unvaccinated would make it through unbroken. And we turned the holdouts into punching bags. Lambie, Carr, Chant, Andrews, McGowan, Gunner, and the other cast of hundreds in prominent roles. And we here in America, we could add Fauci and the rest of them and Biden in prominent roles need to be held to account for vilifying the unvaccinated in public and fueling angry social media mobs. The mobs, the masked Nazis, and the vaccine disciples have been embarrassed by betting against the unvaccinated because mandates only had the power we gave them. It was not compliance that ended domination by big pharma companies, Bill Gates and his many organizations and the World Economic Forum. It was thanks to the people we tried to embarrass, ridicule, mock and tear down. We should all try and find some inner gratitude for the unvaccinated as we took the bait by hating them because their perseverance and courage bought us the time to see we were wrong. So if mandates ever return for COVID or any other disease or virus, hopefully more of us will be awake and see the rising authoritarianism that has no concern for our well-being and is more about power and control. The war of the unvaccinated was lost, on the unvaccinated was lost. And we should all be very thankful for that. <laughs> Insert the meme, I don't even know you exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Not totally true, but uh, if you if you thought it was like nip and tuck there, like oh, we almost got Andrew to take the vaccine. Uh, no. no. <laughs> It's uh, well, just a, a random story. Just a high school student dies during flag football game oh. a few days ago. Just uh, totally normal, you know. Very, everyone's very sad, but no one can can talk about why that might have happened. Uh, but this it's we'll time get for into my the, energy drink story. No, no. no. Uh. Let's get into the the Tom Cowan stuff. So Tom Cowan, he wrote uh, The Contagion Myth on COVID, which I think I've talked about before. Uh, But this, he's got a new book coming out just on uh, childhood vaccines in general. Mm -hmm. And so this first clip just talks about childhood diseases and maybe they might have an important role in human development. Hmm. Wait, diseases? Yes. It's not really just a problem of vaccines. It's a problem of pediatrics. And maybe it's not even just a problem of pediatrics. It's a problem of medicine. And one of the things that I often say is I think... If you look at a situation where nobody has ever done such a thing before uh, and then people tell you that this is perfectly safe and perfectly normal, even though it's never been done before, we should all have a certain amount of skepticism about that. And specifically what I mean is As far as I know, there's never been a 65-year-old human being who didn't go through childhood diseases. In fact, uh, according to the CDC, if you're uh, born in 1956 or before, and I happen to remember the year because I was born in 1956, (laughs) so I remember that. Uh, If you're born in 1956 or before, you are considered to be immune from measles because by definition, it means you had measles. So if you do the math, you know, I'm about 62. So anybody more than 62 is by definition, according to the CDC, has had measles. So if you say, well, what what happens to somebody who's 70 who never had measles? We don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So m- just about everyone has been through measles. What about the other ones? Um, rubella and mumps and things like that. Yeah. Do, yeah. Same with those. I mean, we all had whooping cough and we had German measles and measles and all that. And, uh, and we had a lot of childhood disease, chicken pox. Mm-hmm. And would, there used to be a, a part in the medical history uh, that you would check saying, patient had normal childhood diseases. And like I said, everybody over 65, by and large, had all of those diseases. They went through childhood diseases. So there's, as far as I know, literally no human being alive who's more than 65 who didn't go through childhood diseases. So anybody who says it's perfectly safe and normal and healthy to go through life without 
uh, having any childhood diseases, my question would be, how do they know that? Wow. So that's, you know, you're thinking, well, uh, it doesn't really mean anything, but he's he has reasons for the concern. And we'll go ahead and play clip two about the two immune systems. Oh, I've heard Noel Harari talk about the two immune systems. Noel Harari? Yeah, yeah. The two. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna make. There's gonna make a. You don't know this reference. He's gonna make. No. A, there's gonna be a, a technological immune system. They're gonna oh, that's, s- that's, import that's, software into it. No, not what he's talking about. I know that, Andrew. <laughs> Attempted sarcasm. Sorry. You will have two immune systems. One that you could be software upgraded to. Hmm. So the basic blueprint here is we don't have an immune system. We have at least two, and there's probably more if we really understood more, but at least right now we can say there's two. Is if you encounter a, let's say a virus that you've never encountered before, let's just use chickenpox as an example. So the chickenpox virus, you've never seen it before. It gets in and infects you know, thousands, maybe millions of cells, especially lining the respiratory tree. And so you end up with these, you know, whole boatload of cells that are infected by virus. Mm -hmm. So that's not a good situation for the body. So it sends in the cell-mediated response, which is essentially marked by white blood cells that go in and essentially chew up, digest, and excrete these dysfunctionally and infected cells. Okay. Now, the important point to realize when the cell-mediated immune system gets involved is that, first of all, it usually lasts for 7 to 10 days, and the person who's undergoing a cell-mediated response is what we call being sick. Mm -hmm. Being sick means fever, rash, mucus, cough, all those things that we call being sick. The the crucial point to realize here is that that it isn't actually the virus that makes us sick. It's the virus that stimulates a cell-mediated response, and the cell-mediated response makes us sick. Now, somebody could say, so Tom, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. The answer is, You can infect somebody with a virus and then give them prednisone so that they don't get a cell-mediated response, and they will never get, quote, sick. They could even die from the infection, but they'll never be what we call sick. Hmm. And the other thing is you can stimulate with chemicals a cell-mediated response, no virus needed, and the person will be sick. So essentially, the cell-mediated response is what we call being sick and its function is to clear the virus from from the cells from the tissues okay now we don't want to have that happen over and over again so if that was the only arm of the immune system every time you encounter chicken pox it would get into your cells you'd make a cell mediated response you'd spend another seven to ten days being sick and life would be a drag Okay. So yeah. we have a second part of the immune system called the humoral or antibody arm, which makes antibodies to a certain part of that virus, 
it's a protein, the so-called antigenic part. Okay. And that uh, those antibodies, they remember what happened so that if you ever encounter chickenpox virus again, you never mount a cell-mediated reaction because you don't need to, and you never get sick again because of that virus. Now, that's the sequence of events and the two sides that happen with virtually every infectious disease or every uh, even poisoning, like with diphtheria toxin. Now, when both happen together and in that sequence, generally speaking, the person is immune for life. And it's it's very fa- foolproof system, so to speak, uh-huh. to the point where there's almost never a case of somebody getting measles or German measles or chickenpox or mumps more than once in their life. Okay. So it's an incredibly sophisticated, foolproof system when both work as they normally do, the immunity is for life. Hmm. Okay. So that's when the immune system works normally, you get sick, you get the cell mediated response. Body's response. Seven to ten days, humoral antibodies and you're now immune. You don't get chickenpox. Have you had chickenpox before? Yes. I have too. Have you had it twice? Nope. No, me neither. So, so and this it, is. It used to be that simple, by the way. And yep. then a few years ago, I thought my son had chickenpox, and I mentioned casually to actually <laughs> mentioned casually to someone. I think I think you might have the chickenpox because it's casual. It's a casual thing that you would mention oh. to another person because. It's not serious, because it's the chicken pox. But I mentioned it to a, a neighbor. So, yeah. So I think my son has the chicken pox. Was he vaccinated? It's not... Uh, and I just kind of looked at her, and I just said, for the, for the chicken pox? Yeah. I was like, no. No, he's not. Just kind of a... Oh. oh I, actually, shot. I think I, I may have deflected. I may have been like, I don't know. I don't, so I don't did, know. <laughs> did he get the chicken pox? Uh, no, it wasn't the chicken box. Uh, oh. uh, foot and mouth. The it's hand, a, hand, foot, mouth thing. The problem is it's going to be tough to find our kids someone to get the chicken box from. Yeah. Oh, I think it's true. Yeah. I think so, it's true. All right. So, so th- we could probably narrow that one down, too. So we'll be we'll be just like that guy someday. We'll be like, well, we had the chicken box. Yeah. You know, and anybody before, born... My brother... I don't know, man. So maybe into the nineties. I feel like chickenpox vaccines new though. There is a there is a pretty big cutoff uh, for people that were born. I believe it was nineteen eighty six oh, later, or it why? could be eighty eight or later. There's more vaccines. Ah, yeah. So, um, all right. So let's the some of these clips are really short. So clip right. three on push through. Uh, Booster shots. Clip three on boost. Oh, I have I already have it pulled up here. Let me hit it. Now I'm old enough to remember that in the early days of the vaccines, we were told that immunity from vaccines was identical to immunity from the getting the disease. That was the original promise, huh. and that the immunity would be lifelong. Okay. Uh, 
The problem is that, of course, turned out not to be true. And how do I know that? That's why we give booster shots. That's why we give two measles shots and now three and now every five to ten years throughout adulthood. Mm-hmm. Okay, also, so every 90 days for the common cold. I mean, COVID. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Forget forget every few years. We're talking every year or quarterly. I'm still theorizing the quarterly system there. Software update. But the... So, okay, it doesn't work as well. And this was known pre-COVID, okay? This is this is why, you know, Rand Paul and others are raking Fauci over the coals, because this is common knowledge in medicine that infection, you know, there's even the, the clips of Fauci talking about, well, the flu is the best vaccine, you know, <laughs> against the flu. If you just had the flu, you don't need to get vaccinated. So... Uh, Tom Cowan gets more into the difference between what a vaccine does and what the disease does. And, you know, what happens when you don't have that cell-mediated response part of, part of the process. And I cut, it, I cut most of it out, but he, um, he refers to, oh, what was it, uh, nephritis? Anyway, it's a kidney disease, and it was curable by getting the measles. <laughs> so if you if you got the measles, you would recover from that disease, and you would never get it again. And no one that got the measles would get that that disease. Um, and I think I might have left the part in where he, he is kind of referring to when they had a measles vaccine they tried the same thing and what do you know it didn't work uh but let's go ahead and play clip four the whole point of a vaccine and i can't emphasize this enough is they're engineered to bypass the cell mediated reaction and only produce antibodies the whole was that the end of it yeah that was a short one. Okay. So the, which that, I don't think that's a controversial claim, right? Right. I mean, we, when you hear yeah. vaccines were tested, what do they always say? They produced antibodies. Work great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, it's never. All the mice died. Oh, that was, that was last. That was <laughs> yeah. last. Was, sorry. Yeah. But the. Sorry. All the their claims always relate to antibodies, produced antibodies, and um, you know if it produces antibodies, it must work, right? Well, not necessarily. So let's uh, that the next uh, three clips are all all pretty good. So uh, let's go to clip five. Fever is the healer. Measles cured them of nephrotic syndrome. So, of course, when they developed a vaccine, they would take children with nephrotic syndrome and inject them with the measles vaccine, and no surprise, nothing happened. The reason nothing happened is the cell-mediated immune system, particularly fever and the whole excretory process, has been used as a therapy for such things as malaria, cancer, 
uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and nephrotic syndrome. In other words, like Hippocrates said, give me a medicine to produce a fever, which means a cell-mediated reaction, mm-hmm. and I can cure any disease. This, is, this has been the hallmark of medicine for about 2,500 years until the last 30 or 40 years. <laughs> the fevers essentially stimulate an immune response, which detoxifies you, clarifies your intracellular gels, which is a concept I get into in the book, and basically protects you against all the chronic diseases that, are, that human beings are susceptible to. The fever is the healer, just like Hippocrates said. Anytime a child has a fever, they are detoxifying, they are essentially strengthening their immune system and preventing future disease, worse disease. If you mess with that by either preventing children from having a fever in the first place or Tylenol, aspirin, antibiotics when they're not needed, all those things, you will inevitably and inexorably produce a population of people with more chronic disease. Yikes. So, and I'd heard kind of the idea like, oh, the fever's actually good, but I think he explains why pretty well. And he goes into more detail that I I didn't clip of what doctors should be doing is basically, you know, is the fever caused by meningitis or something that we need to take care of? No, then we let it go. And he said it doesn't actually matter the temperature, because that's what you always hear from doctors, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, no, well, it's, if, it's, if it's, it's embedded if it's, in my brain. If, if you it's get over, you know, a certain amount, you know, take them in. Yeah, they might have brain damage, what have you. So he's, he said meningitis, very serious. You know, you treat it or the kid might die. Might You might have a temperature of 100 degrees, not an extreme fever at all. Right. Whereas some of the childhood disease we don't really get too often anymore, it was 105 degrees. And that's fine. No problem. So I, I've approached not me. I one of my children's has approached 105 before. Kids are yeah. kids are wild, man. They get they get up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my fourth grader had a 104 degree temp last last weekend there, but she, you know, it's like she got over it and was fine. So yeah. I don't I don't even know what was causing it. Um, it's a, a different topic, but. It's tough, That's, man. It's tough, especially for. But it, it's tough you, as a parent when you're yes. like, I I can do something. I can I yep. can make it more comfortable for them. I can give them some yes. children's Advil yes. or whatever. You know, your mm-hmm. wife is freaking out. Yep. And in in my case, my wife has medical training where she got it drilled into her. You can't let the fever get too high. It's dangerous. Brain sure. damage. Sure. So you know, it's it's tough, but. I think he makes a good case for it. And uh, this next one on autoimmune disease, which you hear a lot about uh, for good reason. You don't really hear uh, what's causing all this autoimmune disease. And so, I think this is a good uh, theory. I'll put it okay. that way. I don't want to mess up your clip. 
the very definition of an autoimmune disease. Now, what do I mean by an autoimmune disease? I mean allergies, eczema, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, nephrotic syndrome, probably autism to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. A lot of these are all, char- are all what we call autoimmune disease. And they're characterized by excessive antibody production that is found in the blood. Oh. And again, I want to say that again. The definition of an autoimmune disease, of which we're told approximately 150 million Americans, so almost half of the population, suffers from one kind of autoimmune disease or another. Mm -hmm. The definition of it is a person with too many antibodies that is then destroying their own tissue in their blood. So all of them, from a conventional medicine standpoint, are considered idiopathic, which is a fancy word for meaning know why they happen. Okay. But again, the question should be, why do we have so many people with so many antibodies in their blood? And I would only submit that it's certainly a part of the reason, and maybe the biggest part, and in some cases the sole part, is we are literally injecting them with a substance that's designed to increase the amount of antibodies in the blood. So, I mean, this is maybe a silly thing to say, maybe it works. (laughs) And we end up with people with too many antibodies. Wow. So, basically, Trump was ahead of the game when he said that you got (laughs) to inject the the bleach into your veins. <laughs> well, he didn't of course, actually say that. Of course, that, he never yeah. said that. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. But still. But the... So it's we funny because your, have... your basic liberal Democrat right now would like happily, like if they were told like, hey, see this uh, hand gel, this antiseptic antibiotic, you know, hand gel? If you inject this into yourself, it'll help kill some of the germs. Like, oh, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Well, no, it's... Injections aren't any good unless you call them vaccines, but then anything is, is called the vaccine, even if it's on skid row at three in the morning. Taking the vaccine. Taking the vaccine. Yeah. Two in the morning, Portland, downtown, taking the vaccine. So I thought that was an excellent explanation of autoimmune disease, which I had not heard it put that simply before of... And, it, you know, I'd heard autoimmune disease when your body's basically wrongly interpreting your own body as a problem that it needs to attack with the immune system. But, yeah, too many antibodies in the blood. And what do you know? We're injecting mass numbers of, of vaccines that are designed to produce antibodies. What could go wrong? Except everyone's got autoimmune disease now. And uh, this last clip goes into some detail on why there's adjuvants in the vaccines. And it's, you know, we've talked about adjuvants, we've talked about them being bad and the poison stuff that's in the vaccine. Uh, But Tom explains why they have to put them in there. You know, it it gets into the question, too, of... Um, if you take a, uh, like, if you're going to vaccinate somebody against, say, uh, DPT, mm-hmm. diphtheria, hussis, and tetanus, 
You could say, so if you ask most people, I would say, including probably doctors, what is in this vaccine? They would say the antigenic part of the diphtheria, the tetanus, and the whooping cough bacteria. Mm -hmm. So there's a toxin, et cetera, the part that we make antibodies to. It's called the antigenic part. There's normal saline, that's just salt water, and some preservative. That's what they would say. Okay. So you say, which preservative? Well, some sort of safe, medically used preservative. But the fact of the matter is, if you did that, if you put DPT antigens, saline, and a normal preservative and injected that into a human being, including a child, you get no antibody response. In other words, it doesn't work because the point of the vaccine is to create an antibody response. Okay. So you can't do that. And that's why they put what are called something you mentioned earlier, adjuvants. Uh -huh. These are substances which are put into the vaccine so that they create a broad spectrum antibody response. Now, we don't know any adjuvants that just make you make antibodies to, say, diphtheria or tetanus or pertussis. That doesn't exist and probably never will exist because the point of it is you have to give some substance that irritates the immune system enough so it makes antibodies. Usually those things are aluminum and then there's some mercury and fetal DNA and you know, antifreeze and a little glyphosate, otherwise known as Roundup in there. Yeah. There's a whole host of things that are put in there. They're not put in there because these people are mean or unaware or they don't haven't heard people's complaints of, you know, why do you put Roundup in, in, uh, in aluminum, which we know is a neurotoxin in a vaccine? It's not that they haven't heard that. They just have no choice. Because if you don't put adjuvants into vaccines, you don't make antibodies. That's the problem. What? So the that's so, crazy. So the poison part of the vaccine is the vaccine. Like you don't get antibodies without the poisons. So when I say vaccines are poison, literally poison. Wow. So that's. And then they, okay, you produce antibodies, but it doesn't. And he kind of goes the conservative route, like, okay, yeah, I mean, the antibodies sort of work for a limited amount of time, you know, maybe. <laughs> but the he's he's saying that the the cost outweighs the benefit. The cost of lifelong autoimmune problems outweighs the potential short-term benefit of not getting that particular disease i'm not convinced they've got it figured out where it even you know where you're even getting the benefit in the first place uh you know Andrew, COVID vaccines do you still let's, get covid but. let's take let's take a couple steps back let's be honest with the audience you're not convinced that the world is round you're also not convinced that <laughs> that uh germ theory is even real so right. Right. It's it's well, more, and it's more than just the vaccines. Yeah, ne neither is neither is Tom Cowan to be fair, but yeah. um but the yeah, I I thought that was 
well laid out and sure. to me it makes sense yeah you know, makes, it does you're becoming the doctor i mean this in the most pandering way you're becoming the doctor future of our of our show here and in that you bring clips that make people go whoa Remember they, every time Doctor Future get done with a presentation, it's like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> you know, he did one on. Uh, oh, now I forgot about it. Whatever it is, the the green, oh, yeah, the, the green stuff at the Missouri conference. What was it called? Absinthe. He did one on absinthe and <laughs> about wormwood and all this, and everybody left like, what in the world is this? This is crazy. So. If- if only we could have got him to look into what's in those. Uh, what was it? What was that burger chain that he oh. buy the frozen burgers from? White Castle. White I'd Castle s- burgers. Yeah, look into what what goes into those. But yeah, <laughs> and a diet soda. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. But uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, it's kind of it. It's. Let me see if I can put a sentence together here. I got a bunch of thoughts running through my head. Occam's razor: the simplest explanation is probably the the correct explanation. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to have an autoimmune disease these days. Yeah, it's the one of the real pandemics. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. He says half of America. I mean, it just feels like every time I turn. Oh, I got. Like a you know chronic arthritis, or I have the ulcerative colitis, or I mm-hmm. have you know this, or I have that. It's just just constant autoimmune issues. And and those same people are here's the crazy part, right? Like, so if the antibodies work, the autoimmune disease is literally too many antibodies where it's attacking the own body, your mm-hmm. own body, instead of just germs. Why are those people always sick with all those antibodies? They have all those antibodies. Why, why do they get sick so often? Yeah. Well, and then, you know, to, to be eligible for those COVID vaccine trials, you could not have an autoimmune disease. And yet, when it came time to roll them out, autoimmune disease people should be first in line. You're most at risk from COVID. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you especially need it. Pregnant, oh, you you had people. cancer recently. You really need it, you know. It's birthing so this, persons, everybody, just come get them. I mean, one of the themes of what I try to do with the with the podcast and Substack and what is just look at it and draw your own. Look at the evidence and draw your own conclusions. Like our kids now, <laughs> where they're getting a bunch more vaccines, healthier than they were twenty or thirty years ago. No. Is it possible that the vaccines are part of the problem? Hmm. You know, is it is it possible that switching from you know, animal fats to seed oils was a problem? Yes. Is it glyphosate a problem? Is injecting glyphosate in vaccines a problem? Yeah. No. I mean it's it's once, all once you inject it in a vaccine, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So just call it a vaccine, it's okay then. So that's that was a a very clear explanation of adjuvants. Um, you know, I'd, I'd heard about all that stuff in vaccines previously, but it didn't, I didn't realize why it was in there. Yeah. 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 So. Wow. All right. Well, that's thank crazy. Some people. Yeah. We should thank some people. Move on to the, 
donation segment. I don't know when to do this, but uh, we're going to try a, different, a couple different spots during the show to, uh, to read from the word. All right. Just, I don't know. We, I'd like to make it more regular. We do the donation segment every time, so maybe this will lead into that. But uh, we could do just a couple, like we call it verses of the week. And next week you can bring a verse. Well, I was gonna. Uh, I was thinking about clipping another section, but it was, it was Ezekiel, and it was pretty dark. Yeah. So okay. I, did, I opted, you know, not for the fire and brimstone. Well, here's passage. here's here's the here's my idea. We'll do we'll do verses of the week, and you have the option to read them or bring an audio clip of that verse, and then we play it shortly before the donation or after or any any time during the show that it feels feels right okay i got this week this is the verse on my mind that i kind of came across i've been sticking with and by verse i mean literally three verses uh this is from psalm let's see psalm 33 starting at verse 20 through 22 our soul waits for the lord he is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. That's it. Amen. The end. The uh, hope in you, not in the world. It's, it's uplifting. It's uplifting couple yeah. verses, you know? Yeah. Got it. And uh, good advice. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things that I'm hoping for in the world. I don't what, know if they're going to happen. What was the passage? Was that Psalms? Yeah. Let's go back. Open it up here again. Read from an actual Bible. I've been actually reading a book lately. It's something nice. I don't usually do. I use the phone. But All right. Psalm 33, 20 through 22. Our souls... Or excuse me. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. I don't know. I was reading reading the Psalms this week and uh, came across that one, and it stuck out to me. So, well, I, I appreciate you bringing uh, a verse from a notorious flat earther like David. If you, if you read through Psalms, there's a lot of stuff that makes zero sense so. until you consider what their actual cosmology was. Okay. Hold on a second. Just take notes here. <laughs> Just, what's the time? I need a time code. What's the time code? <laughs> time, One, time code to one, delete three, it? Three. No, I'm not going to delete <laughs> it. I'm just going to clip this for my debunking Andrew Hoffman documentary. Okay. Yeah. Just uh, <laughs> yeah. Most High God, gates of heaven, depths of the earth. Yeah. It's, well, not a lot of uh, spinning space marbles in Psalms, but spinning space marbles. Is that the title of this show? No. No. It's no. People get the wrong idea. It, it wasn't the focus there. So absolutely not. Should, should I th- thank some people? Yes, please do. 
Number well, one on the list. That, sorry. While well, you do that, you I'll always, yeah, <laughs> you, you always tell me to go ahead, and you always interrupt me every single time. Every single time. It's it's a, like a, it's at this point, it's a bit yeah. of a it's you know it's would it be a donation segment without yeah. it? Uh, while you do that, I'll look for relevant notes that came in uh, with donations. Okay. So, so Danny from Medford, Oregon, sent us twenty five dollars. Thank you, Danny. Joy from Nashville, Tennessee, sent us $50. Thank you very much, Joy. Looking forward to your upcoming new podcast, you and your husband there. <laughs> Joy uh, Joy also sent a note, which we cannot read, but I need to forward to you. Okay. John from Swallowfield, Berkshire, UK, sent us $10. Thank you very much, John. He had no idea he'd be mentioned three times on this show. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, he's famous now. So. Yeah, absolutely. Kingmakers is what they call us. Uh, do you know the pronunciation? Mm-mm. 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 Oh, I'm. Uh, I right. don't. From, I mean, from the Netherlands, I haven't listened to enough Adam Curry to pronounce uh marja maybe i think Marja's gotta be it m-a-r-j-a from the netherlands send us 125 dollars thank you very very much absolutely and i and believe that's a new she is to, she to is hi tim and andrew many thanks for the podcast i like the variety of topics you discuss i live in the ne- netherlands and admire our farmers that are, are in the news around the world and succeeded in reaching your podcast. Yeah. Thanks for remembering them. By the way, I would like to receive a copy of Andrew's book as I donated $125 today. My address is added. All the best. Marja. Well, thank you very much. And we will, I believe stuff is getting through in the Netherlands. Unlike, uh, you know, Australia. I was going to call it a penal colony, but it's not technically that anymore. You're just locked in the country. Never, you know, don't worry about it. But, uh, oh, great. I guess we, great news. They opened Canada back up starting uh, October 1st. And that, well, they were allowing mail through, but yes, yes, yeah. they, yeah, they did open Canada up. So if you, if, if you're not vaccinated, you can now travel to the great native land of, I don't know, do you, Canada? Tr- do you trust Trudeau? I'd I'd be worried about getting in there and then the rules changing and not being able to get back out. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not scared of uh, not scared of their baloney. I just I'm sick of it. My grandmother did pass away to kind of close the loop on that story for everybody. Yeah, uh, I think she was gone a long time ago because of the uh, Alzheimer's. But uh, it would have been nice to see her one last time. Yeah, you know. I guess it wasn't, I guess, I don't know. I guess I would say, I guess it wasn't meant to be, but I guess tyrants were meant to take that away from me. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moving along. Uh, that's very, very sad. And I'm sorry for, for your loss there. Thank you, sir. And do you have other living grandparents? I don't. That was the last one. Yeah. I lost my, Mom's mom was my last living grandparent. She passed away about six years ago. So. Uh, yeah. So was, yeah. But, uh... It means we're she getting was, old. She was probably... You know, I, 
don't want to play favorites, but she was my favorite grandma. But, my, th- this was my favorite grandma too, and she yeah. she just passed away ninety three. So hmm. lived a decent one, yeah. lived a good life. So all right, we've got uh, one more contributor on the list, a familiar name, Ed from Waxhaw, North Carolina, the did best we, Carolina. Send us twenty dollars. Thank you, Ed. Did we skip Scott? I did skip Scott. Scott sent us a hundred dollars. Yes, and he's from, from from parts unknown. Parts unknown. I've been a subscriber to your podcast for maybe two years now, and really appreciate your insights throughout the COVID pandemic. My apologies for not contributing sooner. Tim and Andrew, you both seem to be very authentic and mature believers. I feel like I'm visiting old friends as I listening as I listen to your interesting banter, insightful articles, and audio clips. I am also a fellow pre-Wrath Rapturous and Chris White devotee. Keep up the good work for the kingdom from Scott. Thank you very much, Scott. Great to hear from you. And yes, we're very thankful for the people that that did donate. And we're thankful for the people that that listen. Absolutely. Yeah, listen or send stuff in or any any way that people contribute is awesome. Even just saying a prayer for us, that, that always helps too. Yep. Probably helps more than the the monetary donations. So this was... I feel very loved and supported for September. Yes, 100%. Absolutely an encouragement. And yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. And having people, you know, be super generous was, was a huge encouragement for for us so it absolutely was it absolutely was a uh you know it's funny i was thinking about it and it's like well you know donations and they, they're up for september they were down for august is it anything to do with our content or what's going on and then i started to kind of think about it and i was like you know it's not i think the the lord will bless us when he sees fit through uh, people that donate and and whatnot but you know there were years where we did this show where like nobody donated anything <laughs> Yeah, we did like we've been putting in work for a very, very long time, and well, yeah, we took some years off of varying degrees. (laughs) There were quite a few episodes that my prep was like 20 minutes before throwing some news stories in the folder. Let's be honest, there, yeah, but then, but I mean, then I still had to edit it, I still had to put it up on the website, I still, I mean. We, I understand our, our 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 prep and stuff is better now, but for years we did this show for no almost no thanks at all and and hardly any donations at all. It was like yeah, yeah. you know th- we were basically trying to break even, <laughs> like just just hoping we could pay for the hosting for that year. Yeah, it was a, like you you sent me a microphone or something. It's like wait a second, we get donations. I didn't know we got donations, but yeah, was- really. So it was, no, so this was, anyway, it was an amazing month and thank you everybody. (laughs) Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you very, very much. Yeah. No, just so everybody else there knows we split the donations get split right down the middle. So if you only want to donate to a flat earther, you got to find a different podcast because (laughs) (laughs) this one gets split, split right down the middle. Just like the equator splits the earth in two. (laughs) <laughs> sure. <laughs> there's a there's a North Pole. There's just no just no South Pole. It's an ice wall. 
did you just get the, did just you get the wall from, did you get that from game of thrones uh no tim i did I'm... not get that from game of thrones <laughs> do you think game of thrones might have got that from i don't know the vast majority of world history where people believe they're in a flat earth but... they believe in a giant ice wall yeah i mean that's just that's part of it yeah I started that series and I was like, yeah, couldn't make it very far in it. So I haven't, I've never seen any. You of them, would hate but, it. It's just like gratuitous, but, like nudity and violence and stuff. There's some writing and interest there, but it's one of those situations where I'm sure the books are way better. But even then, I don't need to see it stylized and acted out. But there was a great ice wall, <laughs> which yeah. struck out to me as soon as you started talking about the great ice wall and the, the flat Earth scenario. So anyway. Yeah. Um, thank you everybody for your support. We are greatly appreciating it. Of course, Revelations Radio News is a solely listener-supported production. This means listeners contribute to the show both financially and through volunteerism. If you feel you are getting some value for this show, please help us by becoming a supporter. We count on you to make this work based on the value for value model. Great part about the value for value model is you don't have to pay anything. There's no Patreon you have to subscribe to 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 look at Andrew Hoffman's Substack, although that may be subscription based, I doubt it. But uh, the podcast—it's well, it's a free subscription. Free subscription. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, paid subscription based. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to subscribe to our podcast through Patreon and pay a bunch of money. You pay however much you think it's worth. If you think this show's worth nothing today, then you don't give anything. If you think it's worth a dollar. You give a dollar. If you think it's worth twenty-five dollars every single time we do a show, like someone from Medford, Oregon. Then you donate twenty five dollars. Yeah. That's, and uh, I don't. Do you think Danny really thinks it's worth twenty five dollars, or do you think he's just like, yeah, I've kind of started the pattern here. I should probably keep it going. <laughs> I think it's probably a combination. It's probably a combination. He started it. Doesn't want to. Doesn't want to. Just wants to keep it going. But I think he's he was grateful that uh, we came back after a long hiatus, and he's doing his part to make sure we uh, we don't go away. So. It's nice to feel the love, especially in this time with kids and family and, and uh, penny pension. Everybody's pinching pennies these days, so yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting time. So also, please say prayers for us. You know, prayers for uh, both of our yeah, families. Yeah, I, I have uh, my mom and her sisters are coming to visit next week. So oh, there you go, some travel travel not karma but prayers. Yes. Because the with the current current state of air travel in the U.S., prayers would be much appreciated. Absolutely, We're flying on October first. So, okay, very cool, very cool. If you want to pray for me, you could pray for the business that's being run out of my house for the for that to be blessed. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move right along. I know that... Uh, do you have anything else? Or are we good on the contributors? No, I, I, no we're... We're good on contributors? Okay. We're good on, on that front. Uh, thank you to the people that sent interesting stuff in, both on uh, health-related subjects and just other, other notes and updates. So. Yes, very much. And as far as clips go, that was, I think we pretty much got through 
all the stuff I really wanted to get through. Did you want to talk about the Italian gal? Uh, I guess we can. I guess uh, for those people who don't know, living under a rock, uh, the Italians have gone full WEF and elected a true fascist, super, (laughs) super scary Catholic Christian mom who values God, country, and family. So I've got a uh, Ron Paul rundown if you want to play that. Sure, let's check it out. What do we got here? Ron Paul. Always, it's always kind of nice to hear Ron Paul's voice. So, yeah. Although I think this is ma- this is mainly his Daniel McAdams, not Ron Paul. But I really like Ron Paul. I just don't like his foreign policy. <laughs> it's an inside joke. If you don't like yeah. Ron Paul's foreign policy, you don't like Ron Paul. That yeah. ideas are powerful, even though there are times where I know and understand why people would be very frustrated. If that's the case, how do the really bad guys get so much power? And uh, yet most of them don't live long lives either when they're really, really bad people. And uh, so I, I see this as uh, as not just a fly in the sky. Oh, wait, wait. Some guy gets Sorry. up and says, you know, I'm going to stop the clip. You played the one I told you to play, but it was the wrong one. Uh, Ron Paul, Daniel McAdams on Italian election. Ah. Stop the clip. Stop the clip. Stop the show. Time code. I'll fix it in post. There you go. I I won't. It's a big deal. I mean, this is a political earthquake. And as as we'll discuss later on in the show, this is not something that's a 100% victory for those of us against the bad guys. But it is a big deal. Italy is a big deal. It's the second largest economy in Europe. And it's easy to forget that. But it's a big powerhouse country. And they did a radical shift. They, they elected a center-right, right-wing supermajority, it looks like, or close to it, over the weekend. And let's put on that first clip because it's headed by the, the future prime minister is a Georgia Maloney, who is a great speaker, uh, a great presence, the first woman prime minister in Italy's history, the first female prime minister. Her party is the Brothers of Italy party. And I've highlighted the part that's fascinating. I think it explains some of her success. Uh, Maloney's Brothers of Italy party, which won just 4% of the vote during the last national election in 2018, won the biggest share of the vote on Saturday's part, on Sunday's parliamentary elections, 22.5 to 20. 6.5%. So from 4% in 2018 to 25 or so percent now, just four years later. That is a remarkable, remarkable shift. And you would ask, well, what happened? I mean, what, how can you justify such a huge shift uh, in, in, in Italian politics? Well, I think this next clip, this is from a Reuters article. I think this might explain some of it, Dr. Paul. Whereas her allies, Matteo Salvini and Sir, Silvio Berlusconi, joined forces with the center-left last year to form a unity government under Mario Draghi, Meloni refused, saying appointing an unelected former central banker was undemocratic. Now, here's the part that I think is interesting. That decision left the Brothers of Italy as the sole major party in opposition, giving it a pass on having to defend unpopular decisions taken during the COVID emergency. So staying out of that alliance with Draghi and his Goldman Sachs buddies, gave them clean hands to say, we didn't support 
the COVID restriction. And in Italy, as we've discussed, Dr. Paul, these restrictions, these lockdowns were horrific, among the worst in the world. So she had clean hands. And I just can't help but thinking that that has some effect on the Italian voter. So you think I didn't I didn't hear that angle too much no. in the in the coverage of it. And I thought that was interesting that basically she was the by default, her party was the non lockdown party. Yeah. That, and and that, interesting the timing on Canada lifting restrictions happened like the next day or the same day just about. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the uh I had thought of the, you know, Draghi and the kind of Goldman Sachs installed, you know, puppet that, that happened, you know, during the course of this show, we've covered it. Yep. And how did they miss this opportunity to install a Goldman Sachs puppet? But that would explain it. That's, that's good. I like that. So there is some stuff floating around, you know, she's supported a green pass, the vaccine pass, at least at one point she did. Not good. But uh, so I mean, you know, who I'm hasn't not... supported a draconian health, health <laughs> pass at some point? You know what I mean? So, yeah, you go around well, saying people who haven't supported a draconian health pass. <laughs> you know, we're not gonna be able to elect anybody. You know, what it's I mean? not like there's people that you know they start out their opposition to vaccines by saying I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but uh, but she did have a some great speech clips and I did put one in with the translation over the top uh, and people should watch it's it's better when it's her voice and subtitles but obviously we can't do that with the, the podcast so just the top clip there the new prime minister of Italy just that one yep said please answer me these questions this is about what we are doing here today why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions. Because it defines us. Because it's our identity. Because everything that defines us is now an enemy for those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity, they attack religious identity, they attack gender identity, they attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother, no. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number. Because when I'm only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators. The perfect consumer. That's the reason why. That's the reason why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. Because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Every single human being. Because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country, and family. These things that disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom. 
because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. Chesterton wrote more than a century ago, fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in the summer. That time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. I mean, I'm no fan of like politicians making promises when they just got elected and haven't done anything yet, but quoting Chesterton to start your campaign. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into uh, it. Was, that was good. Uh, if, she's a, if she's a bad one, she's a good actor or actress. But uh, do you want to hear the full Chesterton quote that that comes from? Yeah, let's do it. So he says, truths turn into dogmas. The Chesterton, also known as one of the best uh, Christian philosophers, uh, writers, theologian, I guess is kind of the word, and uh, world-renowned globe-earther. So... <laughs> I think he was. Uh, are you sure about that? <laughs> I think he was, to be honest. But, but uh, this was, you know, peak. I don't know. I think if he had seen the right material from, if he had, if a Zetetic had got a hold of him back then, he would have seen the light. But uh, anyway, from uh, the guy so, who thinks Ted Kaczynski's not smart. Okay, Andrew, right. I. Did I say Ted Kaczynski was not smart? <laughs> no. What, what no. did I say, Tim? He what said, did I say? You said jockey a little smarter. Yes, that is what I said. And Gosh, how can how can I how can I how can I get across some media malfeasance here and accuse you of things when <laughs> confront me with exactly what I said? I don't remember what I said. How about that? Yeah. Let's just you know, Elul wrote like thirty books. And you know widely regarded as as brilliant versus Kaczynski, who was really impressed with like some anthropomorphic bogus study of like you know why people evolved the way they supposedly evolved and based a lot of his stuff on that. So no real comparison there. But anyway, he was a math guy. I'll go with the the philosophy theological guy over the math guy. Anyway, hey, right. you are preaching to the choir on that one. Back back to uh, to Chesterton here. So uh, Chesterton, by the way, uh, wrote a good book on eugenics back in the day. No but kidding. It's true. Turn into dogmas the instant they are disputed. Thus, every man who utters a doubt defines a religion. And the skepticism of our time does not really destroy the beliefs, rather it creates them, gives them their limits and their plain and defiant shape. We who are liberals once held liberalism lightly as a truism. Now it has been disputed and we hold it fiercely as a faith. We who believe in patriotism once thought patriotism to be reasonable and thought little more about it. Now we know it to be unreasonable and know it to be right. We who are Christians never knew the great philosophic common sense which inheres that mystery until the anti-Christian writers pointed it out to us. The great march of mental destruction will go on, everything will be denied, everything will become a creed. It is a reasonable position to to deny the stones in the street. It will be a religious dogma to assert them. 
It is a rational thesis to say we are all in a dream, or a simulation. It will be a mystical sanity to say that we are all awake. Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in summer. We shall be left defending not only the incredible virtues and sanities of human life, but something more incredible still. This huge impossible universe which stares us in the face, we shall fight for visible prodigies as if they were invisible. We shall look on an impossible grass in the skies with a strange courage. We shall be of those who have seen and yet have believed. So the passage that she took that quote from and this was the did you see the new york times bashed her by saying she's a huge fan of jrr tolkien and believes lord of the rings is a sacred text they thought that was going to make people dislike her (laughs) she went to a hobbit camp it's like uh you think this is going to make me dislike this woman? I don't think so. <laughs> Which shows kind of how out of touch they are. I mean, there was a Lord of the Rings was a huge movie in the early 2000s. Yeah. Huge. I mean, it's a trilogy, actually. Yeah, I'm afraid to watch the new woke version. Oh, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to, but there is a new, yeah, the new version there. Yeah. But the the book was a legitimate cultural influence well before the movies. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But in the in the movies for the early two thousands, were people were writing Frodo lives on like subway walls and stuff. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it was an interesting yeah. time. So, it's... anyway, so yeah, I'd, you know, I have zero faith in any politician but she's she, looking good she speaks nice things she does speak nice things well you know who else speaks nice things i have a clip of somebody who speaks nice things it's a rather uh a little bit of a longer clip but it's worth it um in an effort to continue to try my best to irritate you a couple of weeks ago you said that jim bruner really annoys you <laughs> Who was that again? Jim uh, Bruner. Br- Bruner. That's not his name, but what? What is it? Brewer. Uh Jim Brewer. Yeah, it's not Bruner. Uh, I think you might be wrong. <laughs> uh, you're the fan of him. You should know his name. Come on, man. Oh, you're right. It's Brewer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total misspelling of Jim Brewer. No N in there at all. It's all right. not spelled like Milwaukee Brewers, but it is Jim uh, Brewer. This weird little podcast thing, uh, the way the logo sets it made me look like an Yeah, I'm an idiot. I totally messed this up. But anyway, he had a podcast that he put out right after he had that uh, special go. I mentioned it previously. I clipped parts of it out to bring to you, Andrew, because you said this man annoys you. So I wanted to bring him to the show. I, what? What did I actually say, Tim? His noises annoy you. Yeah, his, his style of comedy and the the fart noises and all that annoys me, yes. <laughs> and then you said, <laughs> all right, here he is. <coughs> Let me tell you a story. 
This is his podcast that he put out directly after his video kind of went viral, which is funny because it went somewhat viral after like a year after he recorded it or whatever. But it was the one where he went after the COVID lockdown people. Um, a couple of years ago, when my my wife right, will be married 30 years next August, She, we, we, you know, I came back from something and, and, um, she's got something on the uh, kitchen counter. That's a medical. I said, what is this? And she goes, ah, oh, it's nothing. It's, I don't, I think it's scar tissue. And, uh, I go, what do you mean scar? Like we, she's nothing. I just gotta have a biopsy, blah, blah, blah. So we're in the room, and the doctor says, It's nothing we can do. It's everywhere. So, what do you mean there's nothing we can do? What, do you, what, do you, what, what does that mean? Unless you get on a trial, we can try to get you on a trial, but there's nothing we can do. So how much time do we have? This was like, uh, this was like January, February. And I said, well, maybe, maybe make it by the holidays. Now stick with me here. And let me tell you something. Your life, and as you know it, Changes like that. And you ain't worried about news events. You're not worried about who's running for president. You're not worried about if you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, this, that. Uh, my body, my choice. Take the guns away. Keep the gun. Oh, none of that. You're snapped into reality. And. Pretty much everyone listening and watching right now knows that reality. Whether it's your your life, someone you know, everyone mourns differently. Could be over divorce, could be a job you lost, could be a game that you feel your team should want. Everyone mourns emotionally differently. So my wife and I, you know, we were like, oh, this is, wow, your whole life flashes. And then I, I'm, my wife's like, don't tell anyone. And I was like, I, I can't do that. I'll do my best, but I can't. I, I'm the type of person I gotta, I gotta get out of me. Whatever's going on, I gotta get it out. I got to get it out. She's like, I don't want anyone to know. I'm like, I, I can't hold on to this. She's like, please hold, do the best you can. So I call my, one of my best friends, Larry, because Larry is 
my simple balance. Larry just brings reality like that. And Larry. Dizagana. Says, you know, it's everywhere. It's, uh, and he goes, my God. And then he says, let me ask you something. Because I, I, if you don't mind me asking. So go ahead. I know you, you're spiritual and you believe in God and your wife is deep into the word and Jesus born again. And she found her faith many years ago. How does that affect that now? That's what he asked. He said, are you mad? You mad at God? Does that screw up your faith? And that's a big question for a lot of people. A lot of people, when something devastating is thrown on your doorstep, you go, why? Why me? Why this? Why that? You can do that. And here is my God's honest truth. He said, you mad? I said, to be dead honest with you? Not at all. If anything, I'm extremely, I, I, I'm not mad at what I will not have. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not mad of what's being taken away. I'm not mad what I'm not going to have anymore. But I am so damn blessed for what I had and what I still have. And he said, whoa. I said, Larry, do you know how many people Never had the relationship I did. I still have. You, have. you know how many incredible, life-saving, emotional, deep-saving moments I've had with my wife, Dee? I have three angels from her. She's guided me through thick and thin. Do you know how incredible... How incredibly blessed I am. As a matter of fact, I see it even deeper now. I thought I saw it. I saw it. I see it deeper now. Just like when you lose your dad or you lose your child or you lose whatever. I don't know the pain you go through, but you can either turn your back and be mad or you can look at it as, wow. I was in it and I didn't, I didn't realize how beautiful life is and was when it's right in front of you. Get your emotions. Get your life out of the world. 
that's trying to drag you into an emotional, demonic, evil distress. Stop it. Start looking at the beauty right in front of you with yourself. With yourself. He's a liberal. He's a, I went to a birthday party and the end of the birthday party, the guy says, I don't like your politics, but you're a great friend. I said, I, 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 I just left it. I don't have politics. I don't have politics. That's the world trying to divide and conquer and take your faith away. We're all obsessed. Deep life issues right now. Abortion. Everyone's running out there, going nuts out. From a slogan. Everything's a sales pitch. It's a slogan to control your emotions, to control your life to control your actions. It's not wrapped up in a slogan. My body, my choice, my body, my choice, my body, my... Stop it, stop it. You're being controlled. You're being manipulated. Your spirit, your soul, the beauty inside you is being sucked out. My body, my choice, my body, stop it. Your life is right in front of you, right in front of you. Everyone has their own journey. But what if, what if, what if this happens? What if it, we don't know if we're going to live by the end of today. You don't know if you're going to get a phone call. That's the most horrible phone call in your life. And we're getting sucked into nonsense. I thought that was good. He is, uh, nailing it in a lot of ways because i think when you lose somebody that close to your to you you have to do a lot of introspection and uh aside from his annoying noises and interesting takes and squinty eyes i think that uh he's uh he's done a lot of introspection and whatnot and uh the clip you played last week reminded me of it where all of a sudden he goes from like oh yeah it's Jim Brewer this funny guy and he tells these silly jokes and all these weird mannerisms and stuff and then he just like starts nailing it like just boom 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 right. because he's done some serious thought over these last few years with uh, his wife having cancer she is still alive by the way she was supposed to die years ago I think five six years ago and she's still alive wow. so uh, she continues to this day it's good. I wonder if they got her some alternative cancer treatments there. He, I think they did. They're on some sort of a trial. Well, I mean, yeah, there's. That's not really what I'm talking about, but yeah, 
Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. maybe. It's a great question. Yeah. He seems like he would be open to it. Yeah. Well, I th- when you're in that situation where they're like, oh, there's nothing we can do, you're pretty open to trying something, especially if it doesn't make you miserable like chemo and everything else. But it's... Don't get sucked into it. You're being yeah. controlled. I think that's... Yep. 100% accurate. That's what it's true and and you know, if don't care more about politicians than they care about you and they don't care about you. Hey, amen to that. So that's a Yeah, it's manipulation, it's manipulation because they want something from you and they they being propagandists, controllers, new world order, whatever you want to call it friends of Epstein, servants of Satan, they want compliance. Absolutely. And it only takes it only takes one person to stand up and say no, and they they cannot abide by that. They can't have that. So they can have you say no as long as no one else can hear you, but <laughs> right. they can't have anyone out there that people are listening to. I got I got one more from him. We'll wrap it up. We'll say goodbye, and that's it. Okay. So, sound like a plan? Sounds good. There's such a deeper part of life. There's such a deeper part. But if you don't allow it, like a radio station, if you don't want to listen to the station, you're never going to know it. And you have no right to say, does it exist? That's stupid. Or just blame it on church. Why would God do this? Why would God do that? Why would God do this? What do you have? You're alive watching a podcast. What is Someone's looking for food right now. Someone's holding someone as they drift into the abyss. So when Larry says... Are you mad? I said, I'll never be mad at God. I cannot believe the beauty that surrounds me. I can't believe the beauty that is given me. I got to hold my dad to his last breath. You know what a blessing that is? I, I, I pray to God, I wish everybody gets that opportunity. If you get the opportunity to hold someone to the end, do it. Do it. No college, no education can ever fill your cup up with such beauty, with such grace than to have those real life experiences. Please go out and enjoy life. Please. Every time you feel the need to get sucked into a a subject that's just a slogan to debate and argue over. I have deep friends that are saying they want to be 
identified as a who or a what and a noun. It's like, do you understand the attack on your mentality when you don't know what you are anymore? This really has to do with, in my opinion, a deeper spirituality, God, the Lord, however you want to put it. I hope you find it. I hope you tap into it. It'll help you spread light to so many others. So many others. So many others. You know, I look at so many people. It's like a, it's like a, I, I, I think of it almost like a war. It is a war. It's a war. It's a war on our spirit. It's a war on our mind. And in war, your family's taken out. Your loved ones are taken out. And they're not just taken out. They're taken prisoner. And we're getting caught in the people that are prisoners. The ones that don't know what gender they are. They don't know. They they. All this, all of this, they don't know if they should, the fear that controls so many people, it won't control you if you don't allow it. It's okay to be fearless. It's okay to know the beauty of life inside you. That whatever we're living in right now is doing everything it can with every screen, every broadcast. They're disgusting. Broadcasters are disgusting. It's all vanity. They can't wait to put on their makeup. They can't wait to look good. They can't wait to say something they don't even know anything about. They can't wait to sell their new slogan to help destroy the life within you. You. Within you. It's in you. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Turn it all off. Give yourself a break. Just give yourself a break. That's all you got to do. Life's not perfect, but you have a choice to either look at the beauty and spread it and tap into it, or look at the or that. And what I was saying before, the whole I, I, I look at mind prisoners. They're, 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 they don't know boy, girl, girl. We're the only society that does this. You know that, right? If you go to natural humanity, natural humanity, that we've been taught to look 
down upon because we have been, here comes the, the word civilized. Are we civilized? Who's more civilized? Tribes that live in Africa, the Aborigines, the tribes in South America, or the people in the streets screaming and yelling with a slogan. The people in the streets trying to burn something down because they saw a video that happened somewhere that had nothing to do with their daily life. Someone that's moaning and yelling and taking on the family and we don't speak to anyone anymore because of a theory that we've seen on television and we heard on the radio. Who's more civilized? Well, I think that's it. But uh, I think he had some interesting points there on the media sucking us in and like literally called it out as it's a war for your spirit, which yeah. is interesting because we had two episodes ago, war for your mind last episode, war for your soul. This could be war for your spirit episode three in the series, but uh, that's a hundred percent accurate. There's a war for your spirit. And I think he's had some time to think about it and was able to, to put it to words a little bit. And it ties back into the thing I was talking about, which I think I agree with uh, our buddy from, uh, Australia, present moment awareness is a better word than mindfulness. But uh, he went on to say in that email that he thinks that that's where we encounter spiritual you know, things, like encounter the Holy Spirit and God is in the present moment. And so much of what we do in the present moment or in the world today and in our current lives is meant to just steal the present moment away. It's get on yep. Twitter, get on, you know, present moment is gone. Everybody just picks up their phone immediately. People are driving down the road with their phone in their face, much less when they have a moment to be bored or sit down and sit still. It's right into the phone. There's no present moment awareness almost at all. And you get sucked into it and it, man, he called it out. He's got friends that are transgender or whatever. And it's like, pff, that's, you know how under attack you are and you know yeah it's yeah I'd, i i agree with him that the the chief way is, you know i mean those people are victims they're not victims of the patriarchy or conservatives right. or anything else they're victim of a propaganda and chemical warfare campaign against them to you know to make them doubt who they are and people have compared it to how we treat, uh, you know, dyslexia. Like, do you tell the dyslexic girl that weighs, you know, 70 pounds that, oh, you're fine, you're healthy, yeah. Oh, you you're looking, no, you're, so now you've made a mistake. Uh, you've, it's late at night. Anorexic, anorexic. Dyslexic I said people, dyslexic. Yeah, yeah, dyslexic. Dyslexic people mess up their letters. Yeah anorexic sorry yeah you don't tell them it's fine absolutely not yeah they don't show up and say oh yeah it's you're, it seems healthy you, you look great i've got 99 problems but uh anorexia is not one of them oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, the present moment awareness thing too i was thinking about this uh speaking of uh, the world's uh most famous flat earther uh david david's constantly going to the prayer closet what is the prayer closet 
It's a place where you're totally by yourself, right? Present moment awareness, trying right. to reach out to the Holy Spirit, saying well, prayers. Well, by, by prayer closet, if you mean like the back of a cave. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but he just, I think he mentions the prayer closet in Psalms a couple times and, you know, uh, go to the, go to the, go to the, the quiet, I guess they call it some kind of the quiet place, depends on your translation to pray about things, but it's, it's having that somewhat just present moment awareness to stop, put the phone down, turn the, turn the music off, just stop, just yeah. don't be at war with yourself. Don't buy into so much propaganda that all of a sudden you don't know who you are anymore. Don't not. And the other thing too is good night. Good God in heaven, please, Lord, help me to be better at this, but it, it help everybody who hears my voice be better at it. There are human beings around you yeah. <laughs> that need to talk to somebody, that need love, that just want somebody to, to care about them and speak to them and listen to them. Yeah, just I was, just I was, do it. Put your phone down. I was, uh, you know, I squeezed in a quick nine holes after work there, coming back, grabbed some ice cream at Brahms, and the the checker says, have a blessed night. I was like, oh, that's a nice thing to say. And I walk outside, and the old man in a cowboy hat says, howdy. Yeah. You know, it's like... I love that. I love that about this place, man. I yeah. grew up here. I thought this is what the world was like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get it. So it's uh, just little interactions. I, I know that I notice them. You yep. know, it's yep. cause my introvert self will, you know, I'll usually smile and say hi, but not, not go out of my way. But uh, yeah, people... Be nice to the people around you. You know, we're not we're not enemies. The people you see every day for the most part are not the the servants of Satan, friends of Epstein that we talk about. So Absolutely not. And on another note, if we were to tell me that Rob Schneider is my new favorite actor, Jim Brewer is <laughs> my favorite stand-up comedian, and Kyrie Irving's my favorite basketball player. Aaron Rodgers is my favorite football player. If you would have told me that like three, two, three years ago, I'd be like, "That is clearly insane." But uh, what do they say? Tough, tough times will uh, let you know who people really are. <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, I can't remember his name. There's the basketball player who's. Even better than Kyrie, as or, far as Orlando Magic. Yeah, I can't remember his name. It's the same guy I'm thinking of, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty great. But Kyrie, I mean, come on, Kyrie. He likes the Illuminati. He's got the the eyeball on his shoes, but he's a flat earther. So I don't know. He's got it's like one going, one not. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's. It's weird though. Flat Earth is a big category, Tim. Yeah. There's no, there's a big difference between biblical cosmology and the New Age flat Earth. It's oh, it's like it we'll achieve a higher plane of consciousness, and there's a bunch Bro, of garbage. This out new New Age, if there ain't crystals in it, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have crystals, man. Just crystals. That's what New Age is. Crystals. You gotta hang crystals around your neck. Yeah, there's 
Do you remember that uh, stuff? Like right around Zeitgeist, all that stuff. Oh, it's still I, I around. I bet it's still around. I just haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. I, don't worry. At, at, on November 11th, everything will line up and we can all achieve another layer of consciousness. Yeah. Anyway, it's late. It's almost one in the morning. Kids got to go to school. Uh, Jim, Jim Brewer with the, the words of wisdom. Don't let the media suck you in and tell you who you are. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, I think I've used it before, but Jockey Lul, propaganda ends where simple dialogue begins. Amen to that. That's a, that's 100% what we're just talking about. Just talk to people. Be around them. Yep. Interact with them. Say hello to them. Be their friend. Almost like, you know, lo- lo- love your neighbor. Yeah. Wise, wise words. Yeah. Some, I think somebody can't remember. Somebody said that. Somebody. It seems important. Somebody. Said Un- it. Unlike some quotes attributed to the Bible that was actually in there. All right. Penny saved. Keeps. <laughs> God helps them who helps themselves. Not in the Bible. Benjamin Franklin, member of the Hellfire Club. Yeah, yeah. Little, little. Not a biblical author. <laughs> penny saved is a penny earned. It's uh, resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. Not in the Bible. But <laughs> not saying they're not good quotes, but not in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right, man. Well, that that wraps it up for this week, and uh, I don't I don't know. I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, everybody. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say we're